welcome to the season three wrap up episode. Woo! Yeah! Wow. Holy smokes, we the end. We've done it. We are here to celebrate the season, talk about what we've done, bounce some questions, question what the hell were we thinking throughout the season. We've got some uh, listener questions we have as well. Uh, I want to start off by saying uh, we average three and a half hours per episode, which is a, a lot. Yeah. We had 90 episodes, episodes plus adventures, total of 90 different sessions we recorded. That's around 315 hours of content. That means if you made it your full-time job to watch The Inglorious Bards Season 3, it would take you two months just to get through it all. That is an insane amount of content. Wow. So congratulations on that. I also wanted to uh, mention, just from my personal perspective, I, perspective, I've been role-playing for four decades now, if you can believe that. That doesn't seem possible, but for four decades, uh, I have never had a season go this long before, or a, a campaign go this long. I have never gotten anywhere near a full character level 20 before. I think mm -hmm. level 10s or 12s in the D&D scope is as far as I've ever gotten. Uh, so this was a lot of huge first for me uh and it was absolutely fantastic so questions away what's on your mind what do you guys have to say oh man no, not much <laughs> to, to that point the the accomplishment of a fully realized campaign i think everything about this is just hand in hand with this podcast like you you guys have worked your asses off before i got here before this season and the effort of all of us coming together during COVID over Zoom and struggling to make it work every week, times when someone's away, we do a three-people adventure or we do a one-shot adventure with somebody else hosting. The passion and the commitment we all have for this thing really shows, especially in this past couple of weeks. Um, so I think it is well-deserved for you, Tom that we got here. I'm getting a little emotional now that it's all over. Oh, it's um, all right. It's what's, what we're doing. So, yeah, it's super well-deserved. And as a fan of this podcast, I am super proud of all of you and myself. Yeah, no doubt. Thanks, man. You should yeah. be. Yeah. So you should be proud of us. <laughs> <laughs> and me. <laughs> so, Varen, right? Varen was made for season three, and... Who knows how long you were planning on building it out, mm -hmm. right? Thinking that you've never seen higher than level 12 for characters and, and the way things have gone. How long did it take you to build Varen to the point that we started with gray wolves on the side of a mountain? Oh, uh, yeah. So normally between seasons, it takes around, in the past, getting ready for season one took me like three months. I think between season one and two, it was like three or four months. And then season two ended abruptly. Oh. And then I was like, <laughs> ah! Like, I have no idea what system, what setting, nothing planned uh, to do that. So I think we got that going in about two months. So that was half the normal time. And I had not only that, but that's four months of dedicated work normally. And there's several months of ideas. Oh, what about this? That was it. Was just like go. We like you've got to get going. And the uh, mindset is listeners. You don't want to lose listeners. Keep people going. You don't want to go six months or a year. Yeah. Uh, so get it going. So yeah, it was frantic trying to find things out. Pathfinder Two Second Edition had come out not too long before that, maybe six months earlier or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so I started researching into that, thinking about what to do. And we had already just done a whole bunch of D and D 
5e for season one and essentially D&D, which was Esper Genesis for season two. And honestly, I'm not a D&D player. I've been playing so many other games. Um, and I was like, okay, what other systems are out there that might work for us? So I started looking into Pathfinder. Looking into Pathfinder, oh man, this new rules and the cool three-action economy and all these great things that they had and the um, uh, chunking of traits and information, everything was really looking good there. So, okay, not enough time, let's look at their pre-made campaign setting, uh, which has been around for decades now itself. Okay, let's go for that. But that just just wouldn't sit right with me. Like, yeah, that might save some time, but it's not my own and then it's not our own because then yeah other listeners will be able to compare well you guys really aren't playing those guys right and that kind of it's like well let's just make our own thing so it was to answer your question two months was two months of frantic crazy work um the the map alone just creating that map for mapping software and trying to make it look halfway decent uh and figure out all that stuff uh took a long time the campaign world uh, then, as I mentioned before, uh, not just making campaign world, but then making that then the background and history of another campaign world, and then making those two the background and history to another campaign world. Um, so yeah, that was, that was, it was fun, um, but crazy. And then as we're campaigning and going along, just going, ooh, we need more information over here. What really is going on with how the Night Order and Calavier views thing? Okay, let's flesh that out. So yeah, it wasn't even just adventure design each week. It was just, let's add more to the campaign over here. And I can't even tell you how much stuff you guys didn't even touch. <laughs> right, like, we'll get into that in a little bit. But I, I think that was the follow-up to my question is like, what do you do with it now? Like this is there's a lot of investment mm -hmm. in this world. Like, are you gonna keep going with it? You you have a sense of how timelines move and how things continue to progress. Like you were just saying, it's it's not just following the camera of the heroes around. Like you pay attention to to what the timeline is going on in the universe itself. Are you gonna keep doing that despite the fact that we're not there anymore and, and the the story's over? Well, I think we've talked about you know what could future seasons hold, and it would be using the same world, but uh, going forward in time, going forward 10, 20, 50 years, going to a next age, and the defenders and what they've done uh, would be the history, and then then yeah, then we could fast forward and see what happens, or even go back to that second or first age um, and. I know there's a lot of possibilities. Cool. I have a question about the map. Why not the middle? Why why did we start not a complaint, but why did we start uh in Navarre of in not Calavier? West Coast um, is always the best coast. <laughs> <laughs> As an East Coast boy. Um yeah, just wondering, um, was there more flavor in your in your creating in yeah. Navarre? Uh I wanted to go with uh a mixture of when creating a campaign of classic fantasy style stuff with a little bit of nuance to them. I, I didn't want to be so out there and avant-garde of pink goblins with fairy wings or something like mm -hmm. that as a races. But I also didn't want to just do very bland hackneyed stuff either. With that said, I did want a a the middle section Calavier to be this knightly uh, that image constantly of them of just a line of knights several of them holding the banners racing off to go t tackle knolls or something like that was always in my mind 
but I always had it as a big long prairie and somehow the prairie just didn't seem interesting. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted the east to be even drier and the west, you think about it, you know, with yeah. climate and all that stuff first and how rivers flow and all that stuff. So but then I wanted the west to just be your classic um, English fantasy uh, style. And I said, well, let's start there. In particular, years ago, there was a computer game called Neverwinter Nights, which is based off of Dungeon Dragons mm -hmm. 3.5, I think. Mm -hmm. Christopher and I and a couple friends created a big server and we did tons of adventures and custom dungeons and all this stuff in it and I game mastered that and we created a town called Edlin Home and there was a smaller town next to it called Shepherd's Dell and then they went to a town called Tavernry and then it finished in a town called Mirskan, a city called Mirskan, which I replicated and created all these different districts and every single door, oh, it was a lot of computer work. So I was like, oh, I always liked that small town thing. So I wanted to steal. I only stole the names, the concept of a small town, and then the the temple, the Church of Karahel, the Temple of Karahel being a, a studious archive. I stole those elements from myself, put them in here, and I don't even remember what that game is all about. Now everything, now Edlin Home is this, you know. Um, so, yeah. That's fun. I've still got notes for Neverwinter if you want to go back. Uh, I have a question for you, Seth. Uh -oh. What was it like playing a female character uh, as a huge, if people don't know, Seth is a ginormous, large, intimidating guy who's also a teddy bear at the same time. Uh, <laughs> he's he's wincing. Uh, but you were playing a female character, then a feisty female character. That's well outside some of the stuff you've done before. And then in addition, having to play a, a, a romance at the same time, growing slowly with uh, Jeremy, a guy across the table. What was um, that like? It was fun. It wasn't, uh, I mean, I don't know. It, I don't feel like it was too far out of my comfort zone. Um, and uh, to be honest, I mean, we needed a. I, f I felt like when you know, there's a bunch of needed little change, bunch of dudes. Let's yeah. let's throw mm. something else into the mix and see what happens. I wasn't certainly. I think um, I was. Uh, I picked because uh, Palik was an NPC that we had met along the way, yeah. and uh, she was kind of uh, Xaner kind of developed a crush like on the actual NPC, <laughs> and I'm like, man, that would be fun just to fuck with Jeremy. <laughs> that would be fun just to like as a just just to throw some mix in like uh you know have uh, i certainly did not expect an actual uh romance to happen mm -hmm. um that's always like something that like i thought i would never like like have an interest in but like i was actually fun it was uh it was fun to to initially like Make fun of Jeremy. Make fun of Xanner. Um, but then it actually, like, how, like, uh, role-playing, a role-playing sense, like, she started to, to admire Xanner and uh, seeing what he was trying to do, kind of trying to emulate that a little bit herself. Um, yeah. Uh, that kind of brings me into a question I had for Jeremy. Uh, the proposal at the very end, like last episode, yeah. uh, took uh, took Seth by surprise <laughs> <laughs> and Philippe by surprise. Uh, I got a little misty over here. It was very oh. awesome. Um, how, had you been planning that? Yeah, no. It was just I, spur I really of the moment. I, uh, but there was there was a, such a solid moment in the fight when Philippe yeah. dropped, and uh, and. 
you know, Xander's on fire. He's flying over a wall. He's running away from robots and always trying to keep track of the, of the whole group running things around. But like, you know, there's there's always that, that eye for you. And you've dropped before. Several times I've seen you die, especially with Bali's help. I've just huh. you fall over dead and, and like, it's it's I've gotten a little numb to it, but yeah. this this one was so real, and it was such a connection. And and his mom had just died, as well. That it was for sure. That when you came back, it was this really interesting kind of like internal monologue of the oh I have a priority that I never knew was so important to me that like I never want to know what life is without police. Oh. And uh, and so when the opportunity came up, like it wasn't even like the most romantic moment or time or scene. Oh no, we were covered in gore. And yeah. Seriously, and like, like of... mid fight, and he pulls you aside and and, and it's like, <laughs> can, can we? Will you please? Yeah. And, and like it was, it was not planned at all. It was, it was super improv, and so. And if and if, I thought Polik was not going to survive that fight uh, when that machine yeah. was right over and she was really messed up. And I'm like, oh, then Xanner, if he survives the battle, is going to be absolutely messed up, oh, losing yeah. his mom and Polik. Yeah. The light and it, has gone out. There yeah. was something there you said. Part two. <laughs> there was something you said, Jeremy, in your um, kind of epilogue for Xanner. You said that he reproposed just in case, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just to be sure. I think that was a really great yeah. moment. And just to add on to that, um, that's one of the like coolest things that i got to see this episode was just the the uh, there's a lot of depth and maturity in the ability for two you know two um guys to be able to role play that and role play it well and not make it look like a caricature of of a romance and it felt genuine and real at the table um and and you know some good-natured ribbing about the other woman arena aside huh. you know it, it was it f- always felt but it always felt really organic really genuine and 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 there was a lot of maturity in in that role play and and that was one of the neatest things for me to watch this season was was the two of you be able to do that really well so it was funny too because Jeremy and Seth did not talk about it a lot. It no. was all it all developed at the table. Uh, yeah. We didn't like talk about it or plan anything. It was never a conversation outside uh-uh. of the game. Yeah. The only yeah. time we ever was like literally between the ending of the episode and the beginning of the after show is I was like, okay, we gotta like uh-huh. gotta, let's just a couple minutes like throw what a little plane together. Right. But that was it. Other than that, everything was at the table, which it was it was awesome. I love that. Tom, were you trying to get Arena stabbed by police? Elena 2.0. What I found really interesting is, again, just not only police reactions, but just Seth also has like this gut reaction. Oh, yeah. Even now, yeah, there's this little hint of bitterness. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. These, these stories affect us. As the person who sits next to Seth, there's always this, hmm. <laughs> that I get scared of sometimes. I'm like, oh shit, Felix about to do something. <laughs> or even as Ignal, he would do that. But it, you know, I'm less scared of Ignal than I am of Felix, of course. Uh, fan Chance Five Hundred Four asks, how much of what the heroes do is improvisation versus planned out ahead of time? It's crazy that y'all are able to keep this going for so long without stumbling on the role playing or the plot. Obviously, the beginnings are of the adventures are scripted, but I'm curious about the rest of it. Ah, uh, organics all the way yeah. through. Yeah, yeah. There, there is occasionally when, say, a, an episode ends at a battle, and we might have a little non-Tom 
uh, community text going on of like, what the, f how are we going to survive this next? And there might be a little bit of planning in that. That we usually ignore. It literally just yeah. as in the show as you hear, any plan we make falls through. Yeah, <laughs> and, well, yeah we may come up with a, a direction, but uh, right. responses and, and that gut feeling, that's all. I will say I think it. maybe Chris and I probably did a little more preparing, uh, for lack of a better word, yeah. just in that we had we were the speech givers of the season um, for well, all intents and purposes. After Brad I mean, died. Yeah. After Brimrose died, and, <laughs> and, and Xander was impromptu all the way. He didn't yeah. write anything yeah, down. He was true. all memory. Um, but Yaru was kind of reserved and more held back, um, especially with this last like letter. You know, something he'd been he I Alistair had been waiting weeks to say. I feel so somewhat similar uh, to Sildren. Yeah, I um, if I knew a big moment was coming up with a, you know a you know a either player to player interaction or player to you know big bad evil guy interaction was coming up um and if it was something that had a lot of weight to it to you know Sildren, there are times where i would put some thoughts out on paper and have those prepared and have kind of like like you know line items of things that i wanted to make sure i conveyed um in those moments um but i you know i had i prepared several that never came up so it was always just sort of Tell like things it. that <laughs> i would think may happen or may not happen yeah. and then you know because if it was something that i was like oh this would be really cool to be able to actually get right um yeah there's I always would... that caveat of you know whatever i prepare there's six other people at this table yeah thinking about this just as much if not more especially in some cases more than yeah. i am every day um, so, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter what I write and I've, and sometimes I've got stuff still written, you know, like Yaru has some stuff for Polite that we never really got to, or yeah. it was, it was resolved yeah. um, right. in, in due course, you know? So, um, yeah, for me a little bit of both, but mostly organic. And, and yeah. There was only one thing I ever planned out ahead of time and that was my interaction with Yaru if he ever, yeah came at me pointing oh, right. more yeah. fingers than he did. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I've got another quick one, and I want to hear your questions, too. SG Pren asks, what was your favorite thing about being solely on a podcast as well as your least favorite thing about being solely on a podcast, and what is your favorite and least thing being about on Twitch? The differences between. Oh, um, I can jump in on that one real quick yeah. because uh, when we first started, under us in your basement down here, <laughs> um, it was amazing being at a table with a whole bunch of other improv actors. The, one of my biggest issues I have getting into gaming is that I am surrounded by a bunch of gamers. When I'm used to, and my first introduction to role-playing 20 years ago was with actors. with a lot of other improv actors and a lot of other players. And so finding a table of just a bunch of other players who not only really are passionate about the story and where the story's going to go and, and like that's what you give everything into but sharing that with each other going through microphones understanding our our head placement and our and our visuals and using eye contact that made the podcast so powerful for me and i was so excited about doing that and when we went into twitch uh it was a real difficult transition but i didn't have to commute <laughs> any further and um because we, we were on Zoom. To, we were on, we Zoom, were on Zoom at this point. And we were able to now not just be improv actors, but improv screen actors. Mm -hmm. So we 
got into the element of using the screens. Tim which, was really good at that. Tim was really, great at yeah, it, right? Really using good. the ups and downs and the ins and outs and actually playing with our, our field and our depth and our dimension and, and zooms. Like We created some amazing visuals that we never had the first time. So when we got back to be in person again and now we're all in the same room, we already have this literal year of experience of how we also interact with faces and with spaces. And so that improv acting plus the Twitch acting turned into this just kind of amazing full group session now of these really well-rounded actors and performers, which I think lent to the relationships that we could have. And it, it lent to the characters that we love and hate that we all played with each other because we really had a different way of committing to them. So that was a very long answer to say. I love that we were all real solid voice actors and that we grew for Twitch. So, yes. <laughs> yes. But going back, uh, just going back to Xander and Felique, like, had we just stayed on Twitch, like, that relationship wouldn't have gone. I don't think it would have. Where it oh, gone, okay. Yeah. I can stare across and, like, meet eyes with Jeremy. Face to face. Face to face. It was really the face to face when the true moments happened. Like there was, there was some great Palik just effing with Xander and the crushes and playing with him, which happened a lot on screen and like Xander's internal frustrations. But when we were here, that was when we started having those literal Mm -hmm. connection moments of like, you know what, this could be a thing. There's a good kind of example, I think of what you're saying in that we did a Halloween episode on Zoom and we did kind of reveals of cameras. Um, And then we did something similar here where Tim blanked out part of the camera and then we came in on screen. It worked so much better here, you know, even though we're just sitting here, you know, having a good time the same, just because we're in person, like you're saying. So mm-hmm. for me, the difficulty in Twitch is that I'm listening. So I've, I've kind of always got to do this every once in a while, monitor the chat, um, which I don't, I, I love doing it and I love seeing the chat and being involved in that. Um, there were times when I felt a little distracted from what was happening at the table, sure. which is naturally going to happen. I don't even know if I can um, do it. I'm so impressed that you've been able to, yeah, to have that in the background. Sure. Well, what questions yeah. do you guys have? I, I was just going to say, oh, yeah. real quick answer. I miss, um, I miss some of the outtakes that would happen more often in a pre-recorded podcast than mm-hmm. we do in a live uh, broadcast. So, the Tim button. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, There is a little more, or a lot more, of we have to get it right the first time, and not just the performance, but the audio equipment. Yeah. You know, we have we have had issues with. um, We can figure that out and pre-record and you know talk about it and stuff. But yeah, that's another one. All right. What about your questions, guys? What thoughts, concerns, ideas, questions? Now's the time. I have one for you. Oh, yeah. Um, that black blade from Scorgenar. Mm-hmm. That Bren, that died with Brenrose? I don't know. Um, I have questions. I have some, <laughs> oh, some yeah. serious Brenrose Plot stuff. questions. Yeah. <laughs> what, that, uh, what, what would that have done? Uh, the blade from Scorgenar, uh, it was a dagger that, remember the requirement that it had? Yeah. Had to kill yeah. Had to be had to kill innocent. Kill innocent. innocent. We all remember that. Obviously, that's very clear in our brain. It's like the anti-honor crin thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it would have uh, it would have been this gory mess coming out of the whoever died, bursting out tons and tons of undead, maybe 10, 15, or 20 undead, including Raineth himself. Oh. So that's what would have happened. Uh, and would have given uh, an additional force to help uh, attack. 
So they would have fought with us. With. Jesus. Even uh, Rainith. Yes. Talk about a campaign. Sildren would have had a hard time with that. Yeah, very hard time. <laughs> that would have been. Moment. That would have been. Yeah. That's... I thought you were just mentioning another blade you guys were told about and never ever went after, and I'm just like, oh, long ago, somewhere in a note oh. or a page or a riddle or something was something about a blade of artifact nature of importance at the at the spheres. And then many episodes later, you came across the Nexus that had a location to the Elder Sphere, was the book name. Oh, right. You guys never went in there. There was an artifact sword waiting there for the longest time. Uh, I I might save it for another time. Yeah. What? So you tried to go in the Elder Sphere a couple times and it exploded in your face. Yeah. I um, have a thing with spheres. But yeah, the uh, it's an, oh, there's a category of magic items called artifacts that grow with you as you level. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. I was just like, oh. And then I never really focus on it. So it's okay for some things to just fall to the wayside. You don't need to force it. But yeah, that's an interesting. And then bringing Brenros up. Uh, I don't know if anybody else remembers it. I hope Chris does. But uh, I think it was the episode in which Renros died, but Palik saw you put a piece of paper in your armor. You told Palik about it. Because mm-hmm. Palik, near the end, Palik and Brenros like, had a little bit of a connection. I don't know if it was just because Christopher and I were sitting next to each other, but also like it might have been a, a like a puck in a... Uh, um, it was like a little carryover from season one where it was like this big door, like just this big imposing, like bright character and a little troublesome, uh, you know, uh, might've been a throwback, but, uh, what was in, what was in that paper? What was in that note? <laughs> it was his, uh, last will and Testament. Oh, wow. Um, bleak felt awful about never retrieving. That's <laughs> all right. Somebody went to get him. Um, but I don't think what you all knew was that Brenros had family. Yeah. Yeah. So that was how to you know, uh, deal and care for them. Palik, it was in the Nexus, but still had the locket of you and your wife. Yeah. I was still expecting, was it Piercy? <clears throat> or was it Jix back? I think it was Piercy at that point. Or at least Tim saying, or maybe it was Tim or Chris saying, we need to go back to his body and get his stuff. And I always kept thinking you guys might We do mentioned that. it a Philippe couple times. mentioned yeah. it too. But yeah. at that time, it was... Just too much water. Going on. Yeah. It was like, how are we gonna yeah. get through the icy water? And then everything happened. We're, uh, we came close at one point because we yeah. went back to that location. Yeah, yeah and we I were, like to believe the true we reason Kendall went north was to go and do that. Retrieve. Well, I mean, they got a shield, so they got yeah. him yeah. At, yeah. at some point. So yeah. true. He earned the respect of the order in the end. Yeah. Sir Kendall having to like bring Sir Brenrose's to... body mm-hmm. back in in full, like you know. Full honors, yeah. But he couldn't. He couldn't bring himself to do it. So he's like, "I'm going north and fighting." And <laughs> but he actually had this thing he had to go do. Yeah, it's, that so. was the mission they didn't tell anyone yes. about. What are the questions you guys One have? Of my favorite characters, actually. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> so actually, and kind of to this, Christopher, and and I've noticed this. In several situations, and I'm, and it's more. I'm asking, I guess, if you're doing it on purpose or if it's something unintentional or just because of the emotions involved. But when you would, this goes back to season one as well, uh, when you had Rill and you would talk about the blue mist, 
Um, I would all there would always be this little bit of lilt in your voice. Mm -hmm. It's it's a very specific thing that I've picked up, and I picked it up again when you were in the last couple episodes talking about. Um, I forget the exact things, but like talking about times past or something like that. And I hear that in your voice. Is that something yep. you're like, do you do that on purpose or is that just being, you know, your voice is just carrying the emotion of that scene in it? Um, That's a good question. So I have, uh, you, you call it a lilt. I have a heroic response. Uh, so it'll be, you know, those big moments will carry the emotion with it. I always have a hard time like restraining that, mm -hmm. you know, so it's like, oh, he's just going to charge in. He's going to do this. No, I'm envisioning it and I'm there and I'm like, OK, hold it in, hold it in. You know, that kind of thing. And, and yeah, it'll it'll carry through. Uh, so it's a it's a reaction for sure. Yeah. Um, if I may, another moments. Renros question. Yeah. Um, there was a huge Renros moment after his passing um, in the Oubliette. There are moments that in the campaign we think about. We've asked, we've been asked if it's uh, oh. impromptu or planned. I feel like with you, Christopher, there are more plan more planned moments than you let on. Uh, maybe emails with Tom to Tom, if not from Tom. Um, what is your thought behind uh, that? Just meaning, like, do you? Do you plan on that when you're building Brenros? So you see something happen and then you say, oh, I'm going to send Tom this email for this skill that I have or an ability that will not come. Do you know about, is Tom feeding you anything ahead of time? I, what do you, I don't know what you're um, talking What are you talking about? The giant <laughs> shield Brenros appearing or the figure yeah. of Brenros oh, in the Oubliette. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, 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 yes. like so, big, huge spells or yes. what I'm thinking is a huge spell that someone must have known about something so what, 10 what, episodes Yeah, ago, tell them know? how I set you yeah, that up like, earlier that, that afternoon. <laughs> Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> no, tell him, Christopher. Uh, so <laughs> there wasn't anything that afternoon. Uh, probably, uh, this is after Brynros had perished yeah. and uh, Bali came about. And so there were probably seven episodes. Uh, I, I, probably seven, eight episodes between then and now. But... Um, so shortly thereafter, Tom messaged me and he goes, look, I want to let you know you as Bali have a in a reaction, if you will. Uh, no, you as Christopher, not Bali. You as Christopher. Oh, yeah. yeah me as Christopher. As okay. a storyteller. Um, uh, you essentially would be able to call Brenros back mm -hmm. to kind of have one act of defense. Uh, but I did that a long time ago long and time then ago. months would go by and like there'd be crazy ass battles where Xanner almost dies Palik almost dies You're, and I would text him hey you know don't forget you have that Brenro he's like oh I know <laughs> I was like, what? Like, people are almost, he's done. Yeah. Months would go by again, don't forget. Yeah, I know. So here's a cool uh, aside to all of that. Just recently we did this uh, reading where Piercy and Brenros had interacted um, yeah. So the way Bali had seen it, the way Brenro sees it, is the fact that no one else had been worthy. And this was before you were even declared a, a knight. Um, that you had kind of that uh, that connection to where you could really be something great. Huh. So 
of everyone else who was about ready to fall to the blade, so to speak, uh, he was really kind of looking after you. Wow. Mm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's um... <laughs> <laughs> getting dusty. Wow. So it was it was it was a great moment that again uh, you know you get that heroic use a lilt in my voice and whatnot uh, when I played it out it played a little bit differently so you know I thought that was that was going to be a very dramatic moment which it was. didn't really yeah. lend itself to that time wise because it was go 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 um, but if you were to zoom into that moment. Um, Bali was actually talking to Primrose. Hmm. Wow. No, it, it, for for Percy, it was a hugely dramatic moment. Um, you know, he, he thought it was all him, but... Uh, <laughs> the, this, this, all, this, all this information, this piece is coming together. Like, <laughs> Percy... Tim has no memory of Percy knowing... Sir Brenros prior to sure. being in 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 the Defenders. So so in our was it our last our last episode when mm -hmm. we were having that dialogue, that was new that was new to Tim. Um and Piercy evident that was definitely far enough back in Piercy's existence that it was like, oh it was a nice thing this one guy did one time, but he had no re recollection of ever coming across Sir Brenros Alderman before. So, th so having that dialogue was like, oh wow, and then like having you know fighting alongside Brenros for a time, and then like Brenros shield, like all these pieces for for me right now are coming together, and it's just it's pretty amazing. Yeah, and if I'm recalling, and it's just two more things, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, so in that scene, it is uh, Bali is a death warden and can see the spirits for for this scenario. When we got back from the Great Fracturing, which was the uh, attack on the Shadow Hall, and undead were everywhere, and we were dealing with that, we had the whole thing with the, my father and everything like mm -hmm. that, there was a lone spirit who came along, and Bali couldn't identify who that was, because he was still new, but he found out it was Brenros. <sighs> and Brenros was tagging along. Brenros had been out. Wow. And so... In that fat last few moments, it was uh, Brennan, or Bali saying, I think it was Bali saying, uh, I'm, I'm out of strength. I can't do anything more. Can you help him? Hmm. And Brennan was like, who? And it was Bali pointing you out and saying, no, he is also a knight. Man. Wow. That's powerful. That's, cool. That's awesome. It was yeah. all Jermaine all along. <laughs> I've got a question here from the Bat Sammy, who asks, "What was the most defining moment for your character?" Let's just do a real quick rapid fire because she has a follow up to it. We'll go around the table for the players, uh, real quick. What was the most defining moment of your character? Uh, for Idrisil, it was being uh, promoted by Theon. Uh, for Yaru, there are probably several, but I'll say uh, Tarai, Yelena, and the Oubliette. All right. Yeah. Uh, the answer would also be Yelena. <laughs> okay. Uh, but also just being, um, uh, developing a love with Xanner and uh, um, actually like getting, like 
being enveloped. She was in like a little adventuring group, like junior leagues adventuring group before the real deal. The real deal, but like being enveloped in that and, and being useful is as just pure Great. Christmas? Pure violence. Yelena. Hmm. Again. Well, yeah. let's talk about Yelena in just a little bit then. <laughs> so she's coming up. Yeah. Um, oh, Yelena. <laughs> right. A lot in there. A lot in red. That's that's a loaded question. But I think one of the most defining moments for Xander was actually finding the Nexus key. The uh, the magic that was involved, the puzzles that were involved, like, like going through the process of, of Antoria's riddles to get to the Nexus key was really one of those uh, achievements that Xander was like, oh, I can do this. I really can do this. I can be a sorcerer and look what happens when I use my magic. And uh, like that set a big course for how he was doing things afterwards. Um, for Killian, a very obvious one would be that, you know, his sacrifice for Xanner, uh, who was the only one to survive the whole campaign from beginning to end. Uh, for Sildren was definitely being pulled before Keth. Um, mm. And actually at Cass Grove and being shamed by Kath that he had screwed up, um, something that Sildren already knew um, with the horrid wilting on in the Ironlands and taking out the orcs that probably weren't actually hostile. Um, and so having that moment, that definitely shifted Sildren for the rest of the campaign into... Um, more of a determined responsible yeah yeah to like make different choices to start but also even more determined to see it through and to earn the position of elder druid that that he was given in that moment which he did not feel particularly deserving of right then tim for jix uh probably his last stand against the brotherhood uh when he's cut down uh, was his most defining moment. That wasn't no. Then that wasn't the brotherhood. Our, that was the, if I remember correctly, that was the the Senate. That was the Senate's, Senate's mercenaries. mercenaries. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Standing up to defend the king. Yeah. Yes. Um, for Piercy, um, being being knighted. Like it wasn't where there was no pomp and circumstance. Like it, the Mirskan was in ruins. Uh, Piercy was feeling a little guilty like he was letting his king down and Feon knights him. Mm. Uh, let's quickly go around the table one more time with Bat Sammy's follow-up, uh, starting again with Alistair. What was one of your favorite moments for a character that was not your own? Um, I fell in love with Fiel when she had a backstory that I got to... Uh, do had a have a hand in um so for npcs i would say fiel um i really wanted to see what ignal Heavybringer would would bring to the table in the final battles so like a level 20 barbarian of any kind would be really cool for me to see and i i interested in Iggy were like uh you know good cop bad cop you know in a weird way you know right. weird duo Seth, favorite moment not your own character uh... Xander meeting his mother was crazy. Oh, like, goodness. I remember that happened. Like, I saw it, like, just before, like, we actually found out. I was like, no, no, <laughs> no way. Tom's not going to pull strings like this. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, this is awesome. Right. Uh, yeah. Chris? Christopher, sorry. Uh, everyone's done some amazing stuff, but the one that just drives it home every single time 
is uh, the balanced druid making a decision to slay outright one of the senate leaders and oh senator Kethad, yeah yeah that is it was penultimate druidism just this has to be done and... Sildren was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll add mine which was around that same time where you have different organizations and things that are going from one way or the other in my mind and it, they all got shifted slightly with Sir Brenros's speech on top of the church of Soline yeah, on the balcony sure. that was a great one go find your yeah, king that was, yeah, yeah that's a great line that's 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 my favorite line of the entire campaign uh, for for sure that was something i was thinking about uh that was right up there with me too was was brenros delivering just the most powerful like world changing speech uh the, another one that that jumps out to me a lot when i really think about it was sildren again making a really horrible choice to end the the person's life at the the, the bridge of death or the bridge of pain when we first encountered Raineth like you actually fumbled your roles like three times in a row trying to save this person you couldn't do it and so instead you ended them and you just put them out of their misery and I was like damn this game has changed because yeah. <laughs> it was it was very much like we're young we're fun we're, we're trying to figure things out and like oh the world is suddenly scarier and uh, and that was that was a big one All right. so I thought it was a big jump out um, just the pure heroicism of Sir Brenrose's moment of like um, turning around to face Charice, and just like the whole visual of that, the rest of oh, us yeah. like working yeah. so hard to you know get free to like s huddled around the nexus point to try and activate it, and just the image of Sir Brenrose just turning around and walking outside the door and closing it behind him sort of thing is like <laughs> you know was like it, yeah. it it just there a lot of emotion packed in that moment um and probably one of the most and heroic he things the dragon yes <laughs> yeah. about visualizing yes he did moments, make him bleed that was one uh, of the greatest visualizations ever like sure. i saw that happen yeah yeah I, yeah i mean like that moment is very like finale okay okay um i one of the challenges i faced with this campaign is i've i tend to favor low fantasy low fantasy being the thieves in the back street uh where two guys coming at the party with knives is very dangerous and what are they going to do Whereas the Pathfinder and D&D systems are not that. You start to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And then we get into the mid-tier stuff, which is not completely familiar territory for me. Uh, and then we get into the high-end stuff. How did that work? Did that work for you guys? Did it seem too high fantasy, too grandeur? Was it not enough? That was, because that was something that was always hard for me. I'm always into these. If you look at our last adventure, they're still going through this little castle and sneaking around this low fantasy stuff. Right. I love the high fantasy. Yeah, I think it was a good roll through okay. from that, you know, starting in sort of that lower fantasy vein and then slowly amping up to a much higher fantasy world. And just like, I mean, the magical effects of things that we could do at the end were just yeah. a lot of fun as people to see our characters now in that role being able to do those things. Yeah. Um, so... You know, I, I had a lot of fun with it. I had, you know, like knowing that we could, you know, basically 
literally ask our deity for a favor. <laughs> you know? yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't on the level of obscene. There yeah. was a steady, slow progression. I was worried it was too low constantly. Well, in all fairness, you you balanced it really well with the environment. Like, for example, we just did some sneaking through a castle like you just mentioned, but that castle was on a floating gear, <laughs> yeah. right? It, in, in, a, in a world that was not full of vegetation, it was it was this whole thing. Like, there were other gears around. I started going through things in my head, like, what, if, what are these gears connected to? What if they're supposed to be connected to each other? What does that change? Like, So there's a lot of still high fantasy elements that were there, even though we weren't interacting with using magic all the time. Okay. Yeah, sure. yeah, and actually, yeah, the irony of that one of our last episodes was like, you know, two of our players pretending like they were cooks to sneak around a castle to try and get some information. That's, you know, at level that's 20. That's, right? <laughs> yeah. well, that's, that's as low as, as, yeah. as it gets. Yeah. Real fancy, so... <laughs> What questions do you guys have? What do you want to know? So I, I, I have one for Tim. Um, other than getting to be Sildren, what was your best moment? <laughs> <laughs> that was that was fun. You guys did a great <laughs> job with the with the shifting. By I the way, I wanted to get it in before anybody else hit it because I knew I wasn't the only one. You guys did a great job with the shifting. Uh, that was really fun passing it along. Um, someone asked. I'm sorry, I can't find who it is. Someone asked, "Where did that idea come from?" I can't remember. I've just had that idea for the longest time of. Uh, just altering the characters because you guys do such great with your great job with your own characters what would it be like to shift characters around um and i've been waiting for an opportunity and then it seemed oh we're going to the city of magic that's a great opportunity uh, that yeah and it's, it's always fun where it's oh congratulations you're level 18 now switch <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> now you're new people you have to figure it out all right but well, again along that line is there anybody that like wish they could have been another character than who they were i is I like will never another. play a high-level cleric. Like <laughs> terrified of the responsibility of your spell list and like keeping track of every bubble. Me, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I think if I was ever going to take someone over, it would probably be something like a swashbuckler. It, it would have been it would have been a pure seed. Not just because the swashbuckler was super fun, but like trying to trying to do an impression of Tim. <laughs> As as Piercy, Alistair, I think you like I would not have given it to anyone else on the table. Like even yeah. even myself, like that's that's a hard challenge. But that would have been a real fun character to play to just <laughs> tumble through. And you would have um, done great. What are you talking about? That was great. <laughs> well, never mind. I'll take it. And I'll, I'll do it next time. But yeah, Tim. So how did you land on that voice? Was you know I mean Jix was just kind of a rougher Jix, lisp. Jix, you yeah, know. he had a, a rough lisp. So I don't do accents well, but um, I disagree. Yeah, yeah. I'd strongly I mean, disagree. Kind of well, Swedish swashbucklerish <laughs> um, kind of. The the reason I picked that and the name for them for them oh, well, the name is a whole different. <laughs> uh, the the reason I picked that voice is because I couldn't stick like a Russian or a French or a, or even a Scandinavian. I couldn't stick one of them. Hmm. So I just decided to just kind of mush it all up and yeah. just make it a little bit of everything. I could do that consistently. Did you actually have <laughs> a, a shake? A, even if not in your mind, did you have like my my G's or J's, my yeah. V's oh, yeah. or W's? Did I, I actually wrote alphabet? out for myself yeah. to, to 
And you couldn't have given that Jicks to somebody English. who's going to be playing the character <laughs> I for his homework? I wrote out, you know, like, yeah. Because uh, uh, I was trying to figure it out. I was like, okay, I know the Gs. I know Ws. Yeah. There was a, there was a, a Learn by Phonics uh, yeah. cheat sheet for, for Piercy that I had to, hey, for the first few episodes. I would go through it. And I even when we were um, – when we had started up on Zoom again, some you know, we'd all be there early and everything. And I would have my mic muted, and I'd be just talking mm-hmm. to myself, like <laughs> trying to get into the yeah, voice yeah, yeah. of Piercy. I, th- I didn't know you were doing that. I know several times we were like, "You're on mute, Tim." Yeah, no, Tim, I was. Yeah. I was. <laughs> I, was re- I was just was like practicing. reading an article, so trying funny. to like, how would Piercy say this, and just trying to get into that voice. All right, I've got like still thirty more questions for fans. I haven't even gotten into my questions yet, but I all still right. want to hear your questions. What do you, we have a lot? Machine. What do you got? Uh, we kind of went into it, but I was wondering, like, what magic items that we, we leave on the table that we either didn't, we picked up and didn't remember we had. I know there's going to be a couple of those. <laughs> mm. uh, and then, like you mentioned, you're probably not going to tell us anything that was like a black blade, like that sword. I had but... a similar question regarding villains. Yeah. Well, let's deal with the treasure here first. Uh, I don't have anything magic big that I can think of. I, I do have things that were never sold. Uh, a silver heroic figurine buried from the Berry Temple of Mancilia worth 20 gold. Uh, the Thave Dig Site, City of Thrones, three gold spider medallions at 15 gold. Oh, wow. uh, a thin dragon dragon placard off a Colium Guard that was worth 10 gold. Just gems Yaru found in the pool in Mirskan. Yeah. Uh, he attuned an eyepiece that was worth X amount of gold. Children had two Vordak eyes. Right. Uh, each worth 1,500 gold. Polik found a ruby from a generator titan that was only worth 2,500 gold. Yeah, but it was near the end. Yeah, it didn't it's matter. Like, um, and you said, oh, left left behind? What did you say? There was something that really caught my eye. What did you say? Well, like... Uh, what did yeah. you say? There was something. Uh, any magical items it's that we just table. Get left on the table. didn't find? Like, left on the table. Oh, my God. Or had and forgot about. Or just... Oh man, there was something so like, oh, you guys totally left us behind. I can't remember. Jeremy, what was your what was yours then? Villains. So obviously we there's a story that's being told and we're going the right way, but like we still had branches. Mm-hmm. There's always branches that we could take in, in different directions. Who what, who didn't we find? Oh God, it's uh, well. Zexa is obviously a big one, but uh, yeah. I did. There's just no time really to. I would take another. 10, 20 episodes at the rate we go to, to deal with Zexa. I don't um, want to find out everyone, right? Because there might be creatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's more so uh, areas or plots, uh, full-on battle encounters that you guys go left instead of right. And it's like, okay, uh, maybe I can reuse it. Nope, can't. Uh, I have like multiple snowy covered battlefield encounters with maps and everything set up for Ivron because I thought Ivron was going to be a big, huge war thing. But it went in a different tone, and okay. There were at least three, three kaiju, if you include char ice with the kraken and the thing in um, uh, Maiden's Depths, the, mm-hmm. the colossal, Goliath. The yeah. So, yeah, very like those are the big things that we saw. Maybe didn't fight or whatever, but yeah, I'm I'm curious as to like maybe the northern Ironlands. You know, we finally got to um, almost everywhere on the map. Thankfully, we, we, we just yeah. missed level ten orcs. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Why was the why is the North or- Ocean called the Abyss? 
that thing has been in my brain <laughs> for a year. And I'm like, I've, I don't wonder if, I wonder if we're ever going to get there. Because I, Tom, have a fear, a thalassophobia, a fear of uh, deep water, water you can't see. So I had to create something that was going to, like, what would terrify yeah. and mess me up the most? So we have an adventure area, but not all got explored, which then quickly brings us to, uh, I think it's SG Pren asks, uh, or sorry if I've gotten the wrong person, um, what is an area that you would have liked to explore that we didn't have time to explore? The Rock. The Rock, the, the Jungle rock. Island? Yes. Jungle Island. I picked up the language a long time ago because I thought, because there was a mention of Zexa Wine and a couple yeah. other things that I thought that we would end up going there at some point that's where jeremy's land of the lost lizards is mm -hmm. being held yeah that's 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 where it was island based for sure yeah uh, xander wanted to go to fave wanted to go back to to really learn about that place which i even brought up in in the uh yeah i thought post. we would spend a lot yeah. more time because it's just adjacent to our main area and yeah. we finally got there but sildren so bad wanted to get back to asmir for such a, a long time for a long time in the campaign yeah and like like i always like if i if it was appropriate to get the group to go, that was always my intent to try to get us there just because that's where the druids were. And like, I thought that would be a good place for. I had a big Sildren. adventure set up uh, when you guys were heading north to Jarvain with Char Ice because Bali kept saying, well, let's go to the Gray Hall mm -hmm. and get help yeah. there. And that was a Moria situation with them just wiped out and the dragon can all in there and infested. So, but that never materialized. So that was, a, that was something I was. Missed, but fun. What, what's going on with the wall between Azmir and Thave? Like it's we've, down. We've, we've heard... They dropped the mithril barrier, dude. That's, That's the how mithril we barrier. The doors. Mm -hmm. Yes. They did not drop that barrier. <laughs> they dropped the barrier around their city. Around, yeah. They around did not drop that one. Uh, no, there's a wall there. Did Callie and Vro not tell you all about that? We heard a little bit about that. that. Was, that Everything about went that, back so. under control when the dead had mm -hmm. diminished and. Everything kind of. Uh, I, I guess I can reel this for sure. Uh, she had a lot of lobbying uh, politically to get that put up, and it essentially involves Zexa uh, has influence over uh, magical folks that in proximity, which are the Fave Blood Witches, and Azamir needs to keep Zexa in contain. They're essentially just like putting him in a magical sleeper hold for the longest time and they need to push out from magical regions that are on the southwest of Thave that the Blood Witches would want, and they're willing to risk war and battle with Thave to keep them from being influenced, and Zexa essentially just claiming both those regions. Oh. Um, so, and, and they have no concerns about maybe that needs to inch out a little further, <laughs> and maybe a couple <laughs> years later, if necessary. Um, so that's what that was about. So question for Tom. Yes. What's a thing that we spent an inordinate amount of time on that you were like, this is such a, like, <laughs> e either. It's such a tissue Yeah, box. yeah oh exactly. God. That it was Good like, it was question. a red herring that we just, you know, obsessed oh over or something that you were like, there's no value in what you're doing. Oh man, there's there's so much. So many of that's, that. That's how players work. Uh, I will tell what's, you. What's like one that stood sure. out to you? That one we that you have asked multiple times way back in episode three and said, I'm writing this down for the end of the season recap. And you haven't asked it yet, so I will answer it now. Do you remember? Um, well, I remember, I remember asking that. about the cave. This, this is oh, episode. Oh, the, the spiders, the damn episode spiders. Episode three, Tower Down in the Valley. There's a huge chest labeled spiders, and you've always wanted to know. And the uh -huh. answer is the spider chest has four spider swarms in it, level three. 
It had spiders. Okay. <laughs> That's all. It was just spiders. <laughs> it said spiders. It had spiders. Well, we didn't open it because it said it. So, <laughs> you know, so I know. warning like, I know. taken. <laughs> and I got that from an online D&D, like, trips and tracks forum post. Someone said, yeah, I just have a chest that was labeled rats, and they're going to have to open it because they're players, and rats will come out. I'm like, I'm going to do that with spiders. But you didn't. You didn't. Uh, but you were so curious. We beat it. We beat, we <laughs> beat the game. <laughs> Uh, I have one question then I will ask from the Tom uh, line of questions. What was a favorite story reveal in the campaign? A twist where you're like, oh, interesting. Because there's some very oh, on the nose. Obviously, we're going this direction. I have a big one. Um, Raineth captured and tortured, or to be assumed tortured, but killed Jinx. Uh, and oh, yeah. Jax's sister. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. Jax's sister. Yeah. That was a big, uh, like, twist of the knife. When right found after her. Jix died. Yeah. That's when it was revealed that Raina had Jinx. Yeah. yeah, that blew. That was one of my, these are things happening in the back scene. It was like, oh, yeah, that happened. Ooh, yeah. And her death was not delicate either. It was nah. just yeah. death or something like yeah. that. It was yeah, something like that. that. Cruel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was not good. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, the Quinley asks along those lines, how has mother and father been doing since the death of Jix and Jinx? I like that that got wrapped up, too, with um, Piercy's... Oh, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, wrap up with House Summerall. Including House Summerall. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they're they as heartbroken as any, as any parent would be with losing not one, but two children. Um... But I think, uh, in, in, as, as those dark times came to a close and rebuilding began to happen again and Piercy, um, you know, kind of stitched together, you know, who, Jink, who Jix was and his role with the Defenders uh, and then kind of like stepping into that spot almost uh, in place of Jix. Uh, and then working with House Summerall uh, to help rebuild Mirskan, I think he was able to provide some sort of comfort to Mutter and Fodder hmm. uh, in what Jix was really doing and the impact that he had on the Ren. Nice. Uh, back to favorite story reveals. Any other favorite story reveals? Um, Xander's mom was a huge oh, one. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, some of Yaru's stuff with the Temple of the Three Winds, just in some of the the, the backstory things we did, was really cool. Um, yeah. Raineth decimating Edlin Home was yeah. like, oh, that was a very uh, interesting one. That was yeah. a huge one. Uh, I liked. I Did liked... you? I'm sorry to interrupt. Did and where he had a battle. Gabe was there. Portmer was there and was slain. Uh, and did you catch the final scene with Xanner? With the bard at an abandoned house the abandoned shooting house. targets. Shooting That's Fort old yeah. yeah. I yeah. was picking that one up. Um, I liked uh, getting kind of some of Bali's back when it when it when it first happened. You know, hearing Bali's history and family story and interaction with his father and stuff, and um, <laughs> and seeing still so proud son and then and then getting <laughs> to never happen yeah i'm the same I'm amount of proud as proud of me, I i'm saying i'm proud of me okay my achievements the oubliettes that was absolutely a record scratch moment for me like we were just we just defeated char eyes yeah. holy shit and then we just killed yelena 
finally got like, that thing taken care of. What's this we? She. <laughs> I think. And this like, she. Talk about twisting. And if you and you want to know a what could have been, if you guys had just escaped from the Ubliats, uh they would have gotten you again the next time they had sensed a major accomplishment, which would have been drums hearing right after the slaying of Scordrenar. Wow. You would have been pulled back in, oh, but you disabled their device quite a bit. We did. That that's a question oh, that's I had, terrible. by the way. I'll save them for when this question's done. What? But that was a big one for me. Just, just, just like, what? what? Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah. What? Um. What would have happened? What? What was the potential path for Yelena had she not been killed? Yeah. Yeah, and there was another question by one of our. Yeah. Uh, where, where was Fan, that going? Fantakuro, if I'm pronouncing that right, says, "Was Yelena Yelena uh, innately evil, or <laughs> did the chaos magic corrupt her? Additionally, if she wasn't killed by Polik, would she have continued to be a problem for the Bards? Yes. What would have her story looked like? So, for me, it was a mixture. Uh, well, first of all, it's very dangerous bringing in a long-term PC. You run into the DM PC problem yeah. where they become the star. So I had to constantly make sure she wasn't coming in until she needed to. Um, but I was so surprised the value story-wise and drama we got out of that character. Yeah, she it was, was amazing. Cool. She was great. Amazing. She nearly broke the group. Yeah, truly. And yeah. so many people yeah. still talk about uh, Yelena. Uh, for me, it was originally can she grow and learn in power then it was themes of and we brought it up from time to time are we just using her to uh then throw her away or get her killed that, that was interesting themes to me but then it became a also for me she is easily swayed like the dark side a little bit with the power and can you guys xander or you guys keep her in the right direction yes or no i didn't know that wasn't a predetermined but then as things going along I'm like oh yeah she needs to be affected by this wavering sphere that you guys still wouldn't know about for like 20 more adventures yeah. so that then started having effects on her so yeah so if we had taken more time with with her that could have changed the path I don't know. There, there seemed to be some deep-heated, deep-threaded thoughts. Malik was done with her. Yeah. Shit. Well, <laughs> but yeah, no. But I'm saying like if, because like I know I think both, and I think you and I had talked about this briefly, um, Alistair, that like we had sort of like Yaru and Sildren had sort of wanted to be more mental instruction to her, um, you know, sorcerer instruction, but it just you know time. It, it, a lot of our adventures are so packed that and there's a big factor in that too we that we did that. not not only time of story but in the story Xander and Yelena went off by themselves yeah but even and before that we had opportunities to yeah. you know pull her aside and didn't if we had taken those do you think that might have changed her path I think so okay yeah that's a that's a big one that, and that especially is kind of what weighs on Yara's mind is that not only you know the fact he was there when it happened of yeah. course all that you know in the moment is the thing but before that you know just like with his previous student it, he wasn't enough 
Yeah. Was for, the for me as a, as a game master, I, I wouldn't want have wanted her to continue to grow, continue to be an integral part of the party. That's just too much. You guys already have a party of six. So her becoming a, a, a fun ally off to the side or watching her grow throughout the campaign, that would have been cool. But also her becoming a nemesis would have been really cool. Speaking of which, Yaru was seconds away from being a nemesis for the party as well. Oh, so, right. Yeah, so there's awesome. a couple moments where get big changes at the flip of a switch yeah. could have happened. How about we, take we still have some more Yelena things to talk about. What did you guys want to say about Yelena? It's not that important. Yeah, so I, I was going to jump in real quick uh, with Xanner because one of the things that I think you played really well was off of my insecurities with playing Xanner. There was a whole moment that I felt like I was really ineffective. I just I was picking the wrong spells. I, I wasn't really fighting as strong as possible or showing up diplomatically like I used to. And Yelena seemed to be kind of that reminder <laughs> this constant needling of the hey you're doing it wrong or, or hey you're not you're not heroing very well or you're not doing your 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 noblest actions that you could do and uh i guess the, the question that i had coming out of that was was that organic based on the decisions that xander was making or was that a a character choice for, oh. for what she was what her purpose was. Uh, it would be a mixture of four things. Uh, decisions Xander was making for sure and her going, huh? Uh, two, her um, dealing with this power of sorcery uh, maybe affecting her in ways that uh, you or her are not necessarily anticipating in a good way. Three, the wavering sphere causing her maybe to be a bit more antagonistic. And fourth, uh, she's still just a petulant teenager. <laughs> so those are the, the things, yeah. So it was never intended to be like a retribution tool for, for example, not following Feon's orders and going and getting myself killed. By oh, not me. No, no, no. Okay, cool. No, no, no. Dr. Koala, Bar, Koala Bear asks, does Bali have resentment with Palik regarding Yelena's death? Uh, I want to hear about what was really going on in the healer's mind. Wow. All right. Uh, so... The killing of Yelena crossed a big line, morally speaking, for the entire group being just on board with it. Uh, so Bali felt immediately outed uh, and uh, felt not murderous, really, but was definitely angry to both Xanner and Palik. Um, and, uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> Tim, you had That's something you wanted to add? Um. <clears throat> You know, aside from Yelena being who Yelena was, was there any jealousy for Polik and that Yelena is spending a lot of time with Xanner, getting nope. close with Xanner? Or bitterness that she's arguing with Xanner and... No, she's no? Just flat out hated the way she treated Xanner, but also hated what she was doing to the group. Okay. And knew, like, Polik knew she was the only, like, Xanner wasn't going to do anything about the situation. And nobody else in the group had the bendable morality or um, was going to step up and take care of it right away. She felt like it, anybody else was going to was going to wait either too long or, you know, okay, or something real bad happened. I remember the magic item thing now that you would ask about. <laughs> 
There was one magic item, very simple. It was the, uh, only one item, and it was the potion of enlargement, potion of growth that Xanar identified, but no one ever used. Uh, and it was cursed. It was a potion of shrinkage. I was waiting so long for <laughs> someone in a desperate moment to take it to get super big and do the opposite, but oh, it never happened. That would have been a great moment. Do you remember who ended up with it? They never got consumed. I don't uh, know. I hope it was Jix. I really yeah, hope it was Jix. Sold it. <laughs> don't know. All right, yeah. let's talk about three. I've been waiting two and a half years for this. Three big, long running secrets from the game master Tom. I've yeah, been so let's talk about, about those. Um, the first of which is coming up with this concept of this uh, annoying bad guy who likes to deal with the dead named Scordronar. Uh, coming up with him for the campaign and then making him more fleshed out than just an evil maniacal bad guy wanted to be a little more three-dimensional so he was duty bound by it enjoyed it but at the same time wanted nothing to do with this role as the silent fate so that was kind of interesting to me but then taking that and then putting it into uh, a bunch of MacGuffins of these eight messages scattered throughout Ren, having all of those set up and scattering them throughout the world you guys didn't even come to the first indication of anything dealing with Scordronar until episode 15 and even that, it was just a dungeon with a message at the bottom. Uh, and what does this mean? And you guys just ignored it and just kept going. Then you found another one, message seven. Oh man, there's seven of them later on, eight. Just these messages were getting unraveled and unraveled. It was just super fun for me to see these things come out, uh, having things revealed over time. Uh, and you guys realizing, oh, this is actually a threat. Maybe we need to start paying attention to these things. That was crazy fun for me. Uh, what was the Silent Fate? Silent Fate was a uh, almost like a meta being uh, or a meta responsibility, but a meta being that would influence uh, someone, uh, exacerbating uh, some of their traits, but then taking this responsibility of, uh, well, taking the concept of uh, death and destruction in possibly maybe more of a traditional evil bad guy, but with Scordronar, it got infused with his sense of duty. And so he started muddling up and not accurately. He was wrong that there's not enough room in Illistel and this purgatory thing, and so I must create a new one. He's still stuck in the, I must protect, I must protect. Uh, so he just got his wires crossed and you guys had to set him straight. Did we set him straight? <laughs> I, you were just talking about those messages. Like there was the whole thing of the lions and the mirrors and reflecting himself and destroying his symbol in front of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, None of that happens. No, um, those were not required. Those were additional ways to help you out in the battle. Uh, and uh, what I can tell you is if you did, all you had to do was create or what you did was brought his uh, written symbol, I think, on a mm -hmm. paper. You just had to uh, destroy that in front of him. He would have uh, been downgraded another level for the battle. Uh, and when Yaru broke the, the placard, that dropped him two levels and that one would have dropped him another level. So just thinking about the difficulty of that battle or not, you guys had a huge influence on what, what that guy's challenge level was. Cool. Um, second secret, I am, <laughs> will admit, in this season, I took a particular set of lyrics from the song All Along the Watchtower and snuck a lot of them into our scripts. <laughs> I have <laughs> the phrase, 
no reason to get excited. The thief, he kindly spoke. There are many mm -hmm. here among us who feel that life, but I have a bunch of these. And not only did I sneak them in the scripts, I can tell you, uh, no reason to get excited is episode two. Um, the hour is getting late. Adventure 40. There must be some kind of way out of here. Adventure 42. It wasn't until around Adventure 42, which is a hell of a lot of adventures, I realized... Boy, I really, I was hoping to maybe put it all together and then make in our wrap up here some song of it. But I'm like, wait, I don't have the rights really to just do oh. that. And then I went, and I have no reason to be doing this. This makes no sense in any way. Why am I doing this? So it just, it, there was no purpose behind it. So I dropped that. You rickrolled yourself. I dropped that. <laughs> That was fun though to sneak in. But my favorite sneak in, and I've been dying to share this with you guys for the longest time, are the number three that has appeared throughout this campaign. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna talk to you guys how far down deep the rabbit hole this goes of the number three. So the overall concept again is the Trinal has uh, set up this, uh, has helped defeat the Scorginar, put him to sleep. They're working a little bit with the Scorio Guild who just maintain uh, Scorginar in his place and then set up this possible prophecy com concept of people can put him back to sleep. And so they want to implant this number that will be, that's the secret number that can uh, help, you know, damage him even further. Uh, just a fun little game concept. So they put it throughout the entire known universe so threes 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 coming up and coming up wow. so going backwards in time we had the final chain gate only had three of the power nodes instead of four that Yara was punching mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. the number of hands that needed to be placed on Scorgenor's door to access his resting place mm -hmm. the three main guilds that needed to be brought together to convene the assembly of Azimir mm -hmm. uh, underneath Corindel at the magic field generator there were three passages to get to it the number of dolphins that led Sildren to the magic field generator at Corindel. <laughs> the wavering sphere chamber beneath Corindel was surrounded by three statues. Oh, this gets bizarre. When Pease visited the Faces in the Mountain a second time, they found the Book of Lomtriel, which had just three pages in it. They also found a statue of Lomtriel with three placards describing Scorgenar's story. And there was a machine nearby, the Great Machine, that had three levels. Adventure 67, the spirit in the final Scorginar Tower said he was one of the three most powerful wizards. Adventure 66, on the Copper Plane, this would be in the span, had three honor kin on clockwork dragons flying through the air in the distance. One of the Scoriel messages read, Scorginar rest in the 33rd sealed chamber. Three Illistel soulbounds appeared outside the Battle of the Sixth Tower, and three runes were on the Orc Chief's axe. Uh, Beckler, I don't even know who that is, the Odd House Relmar wizard slash janitor, <laughs> referred to himself as the master of the three keys for no reason. Mm -hmm. Three orcs were on dire boars that charged at you in the plateau. Orophine, the arch sentinel, was found in the ruins of Dakarath with three towers. His hair was braided with three locks and three arch sentinels, of which he is one. There was a dance of the three stages at the village in Ivoron. The Ivoron Wizard General offered three different ways for the heroes to help the war effort against the Koliam army. The players in the Wagon Theater, remember the Wagon Theater with sure the Gypsy Laney? The players in the Wagon Theater played a scene involving three women surrounding an actress portraying the blood. The hunter on the snow-covered Downman Isle in the Thousand Isles, he was known as Langman of the Three Elms. 
Sildren had a dream with the bear and the black water that had three dangers and rivers slowing coming around him. Raina's study had three people hooked around chains over the chasm. Beneath the Senate floor, Iggy was teleported to the realm of the Honorkrin, where three magical dragons swooped in on him. The devices underneath Lady Samadrin's estate and beneath the Senate were made of three rotating rings. The old sorcerers from the Chalord Sovereignty who created the Great Sturge were called the Wizards of the Trinal. The code at the bottom of the Nexus, 333. That was the safe deposit box type thing that you guys first, that was in your letter. Uh, wow. The script for Adventure 6 also mentions three rivers converging on the capital city of Calivier, the number of Mirskan plateaus, three with three pools uh, around them. Sildren had a dream of a bear in the woods with three others of three vile working streams. Of the five chalices that Brenmos was tasked to recover, three were sold from an antique jewelry store in Tavernry. The very first message of Scorgenar you ever found was message number three. Yep. In that tower, there were three different balconies that Ignal had to go through. Oh my God, their eyes are glazing over. I'll go faster. <laughs> there were three corrupt tavernry guards murdered by the wolves. Remember, you had to go figure yeah. out who these wolves were. Three of them were murdered. Bad there were, guys at the time. Yeah. Right? Three dwarven strongholds, three gray wolves hung on the gate in Tavernry. The sorceress on the road says this was her third time trying to find Vargalos as she waits for you guys to come up. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. How's this for specific? The pumping station tower at the spire of K something something with the acid witch lady swamp. Uh -huh. Going up there, it had three doors. Uh, the number of necklaces Idrisil received from Toka, the Zolgath chief, was three. We're almost done. The Honorkin soldiers coming down through a sunbeam to ask about the master gear with third calibrate and Nair, the number of Bottom Hill farms. Um, uh, all this, and then the very first one of all was the first note. I remember Chris writing down uh, furiously saying, this is going to come up at some point. And that was going through the Temple of Carahel at the very beginning where the first clue was three lights in the darkness glowing brighter. So yeah, yeah. it's been going on. Forever. I got one you didn't mention. What's that? The three dragons. Three dragons, yep. Three farms on Bottom Hill. He did mention that. That is there. Oh, you did mention that. Well, the, I still the got the dragons. That made up the uh, three hands, yep. Three hands inside the 11th. Yeah. What was that about, by the way? What are those? Were those the, representing the primals? Those, that was the yeah, primals? Yes. Okay. Oh. Three primals. I had a question about the primals. Yes. So, as the defenders of Ren are uh, taking the 11th plane to task what are the primals doing during that the primals are like this inert natural force that again if the rules are followed they're totally silent just kind of sitting there uh and only if the rules are violated will they step in so there were no rules broken okay. severely enough for them to take force and i think it was sildren who was asking about it i was ready for you guys to go visit uh somehow these primals because you seem like you wanted to i didn't know if it's yeah. gonna be a benefit or not but it also like these guys could also just don't like an answer you give them and just kill you instantly this is one of those Ooh, i don't know if you want to go there yeah Do they live in the 11th span no they live elsewhere elsewhere yeah but yet the onocrine were there Slaves, so to speak, weren't they? Yeah, and prisoners, and the, prisoners, and I, it kind of came across. And I wish, again, with this high fantasy versus low fantasy, maybe we had spent more time. But Varen was really our, our strong point. But there's this whole like big boys club of 
every world beyond Varenne yeah, was how sure. I was taking it. So the Oubliette knows about the Levin Span, and the, they're all buddy buddies but hate each other. Then there's these primals. What are these other big gears in the Eleven? What's the tenth span, the ninth span? So yeah, that, again, there's still tons of opportunity for yeah, okay, depth and exploration. Speaking of Onocrin, how did they get? How did they get their start in Varenne? Like the first time we even. Before we even learned about the Onocrin, we learned about what was his name, the Anir Vargalos. Vargalos, oh, yeah. So Vargalos is connected, is hooked up with with the Onocrin. What's the backstory there? Yeah. So let's see if I can get it all right. The concept is you have these Onocrin. They have slaves for generations. They're searching and searching for a world that does not, uh, that is not f- forbidden. Um, and they find one in Varen, but they can only send a few people at a time for a limited time. So they're sending uh, agents or representatives uh, to different areas to talk to people, such as sniveling little Vargalos gnome guy, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and hey, we've we can we know that there's some ruined chain gate, and he doesn't need to know this, but we need you to go there, kick people out of the way, and maybe we can build some construction there and get things. But they don't tell him this, but they recruit him. They also are able to arrive and go do this with larger things, such as the Senate uh, in Mirskan. So they're very s- slowly trying to influence things. While at the same time, if you go back, I don't know how old Xanner is, 16, 18, 20? I don't know how old Xanner is. Yeah, I mean, when he was started, he was 18. Okay, so yeah. 18 years earlier, uh, or a little after that, you have another little backstory of uh, his mom wanting uh, a better life, a better place, and she realizes she can get him away somehow to this other world um, and getting him there. So I don't know, there's a little bit of uh, kind of like this long, multi-year chase of... Xanner's family bloodline, the honor crin trying to grow. They just need to make a change and they're done. And all of a sudden you guys cause havoc, like set them back because we didn't see them for like 30, 40 freaking adventures really, yeah. uh, which was huge. Um, which is another great thing of you guys being able to sway the campaign so much. And then them trying to kick back up to speed and get back up to speed at the same time. And then again, not that you guys would ever know, but me just, I know what's going on in the back scenes. And so, Arena coming to you on the boat saying, hey, come see this guy. Hey, things are happening. Hurry, hurry, hurry. That's me letting you know subconsciously that there's stuff going on behind the scenes. Watch out, watch out. Um, and that's them rebuilding mm-hmm. the bigger gate. Oh, and that is my last campaign note. I have no good answer for I was disappointed in myself. It said, why the hell were master gear pieces like scattered throughout Varenne? That just made no sense. Blah, blah. That was my next question. Yeah. Why was there a chain gate? I that buried in the ground. I don't have a great answer. Or, okay. the, or the gear inside the towers. I was going to ask about the towers. Yeah. Cool. Maybe maybe the primals. Uh, I have a question for yeah. Tom. Is, is there a time that uh, you really helped us in battle that you can remember or a time that someone or all of us really surprised you and made you change things up really oh, drastically? That's a great one. Yeah, my uh, f- biggest... Well, I, I almost always just let things just play as they may. Uh, when I'm surprised by rolls, it's just like, whoa, like I got a natural 20. And like I roll a second one or a third one back to back. I'm like, you guys aren't going to believe me, but I just rolled it. <laughs> but at the same time, there's big moments for big bad guy. And I'm like, oh, natural one. Or I'm just disappointed. Like you guys are kicking butt, kicking butt, kicking butt. And I still get a natural one. And that's what happens. Um, for you guys, it would be Bali who should have died. 
in the evil mm. uh, Tower Squadronar in Calavier. Um, but I chose not to kill him at the very last second because I screwed up that crazy creature's ability that was re-roll everything in his aura, and his aura specifically 20 feet, and I had oh. it at 30, and that <clears throat> affected all of your 30-foot abilities yeah. and spells and everything. And I was like, oh, wait, I just screwed the group over. Huge, that one number. Mm. Um, so that was a bad one. Um, but then, no, again, I, I just play things how they ha happen, uh, like the Scourge in our fight. Um, we all thought people would die, and they didn't, and that's fine by me. The same thing with our big final battle with uh, Anire. Yeah. Um, but again, I certainly went out of my way to put the challenge on there. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and then some. Who was your favorite NPC, aside from the Yelena we've talked about, she was a big one. Who was your favorite NPC that you would run into? Oh, Jesto. <laughs> Hands down. Xander loves Jesto. No. Like, like, the dad jokes were so good. That was such a fun... Like, anytime he came up, it was just... It had a good moment. Like, the, from the first time, we were like, oh, my God, it's Jesto! And everyone's just kind of groaning at it. Like, it just turned into a really good character player part of the reason was you were so excited yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's there's two can we all get on the same page i hated this guy yeah. <laughs> there's like two versions of npcs there's the jesto npc who comes in and is a uh, a, a light you know in the darkness comes into the tavern and then there's callie and vero mm -hmm. who's helping yeah. us in the plot and really pushing us forward and giving us notes and stuff um, I, I would say Callie and Vero for me is likewise. Yeah, Callie and Vero is my favorite, and and because Sildren never trusted her either. Like you yeah, know, that's true. like yeah. like Sildren's take on Callie and Vero was uh, like she has her own agency. She's doing her own things for her own reasons. They most of the time are likely to line up with what we're doing, yeah. but they may not. And so there was always that little bit of caution of like. You know, she's helping because it mm. helps her. Was was oh, okay. like what what children's understanding yeah. of of her actions were, and you know, is helping herself actually going to help us? By the by, uh, Callie and Vero, Speaking of her, she her last big moment was pulling children aside and saying that she felt guilty about possibly starting. She went to mm -hmm. Scordinar's resting place. Oh, yeah. She had a, a, a vision and she tried oh, to yeah. do something there, and then she felt. And you were great. You know, you know no, no, this was, this just just happened. There's no one's at fault. Uh, but that was also her as a very young diviner uh, placing a clue in one of those pillars about joy and happiness that could have helped you guys out. It was mm -hmm. waiting for you. That she placed years ago if you needed oh, wow. it that's yeah but she couldn't tell you about that either i remember i remember hearing that two or three episodes three or four episodes back and and tim is thinking she's startled as shit like <laughs> is she a little bit the reason we're right here right now uh king Feon was awesome yeah um Fleek was kind of on the fence with him but uh uh it was just awesome to like get him into power and then still like see like him still trying to influence us and likewise yeah. and then it got to where we had to really defy him a little bit or not do exactly what he's asking yeah that defying added more depth to we, him Xanner like completely just like yes 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 and then did not <laughs> nope. like, that was pretty awesome yep. yeah yeah uh, it's really hard when they don't listen to you. Yeah. I'd like that that was a moment that I was like, Oh, I can't get out of this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. King Feon was 
I think probably my favorite NPC in the world. I mean, for sure. Yeah, for Piercy, um, for sure. But I think even just in general, because we saw, yeah, we saw this this first. He started out as just a just someone we've heard about, you know, and then we meet him, and we restore him to power. He he builds his power. Um, he becomes this kingly, like, I demand this of you, you know, <laughs> we defy that, then we have to go back and explain to him, like, yeah, sorry, not sorry. In a, in like, a few awkward positions. Yeah. Just by, like, I guess he found, like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and all of that coming from finding this old guy in the low house in the slaughtered yeah, room. That's right. And deciding Ooh, all of that. Yeah. And for evil... NPCs, Raineth's presence was always like a welcome sign. Not welcome in any way, but um, just dealing with him was always a thing, and you know, definitely drove a lot of Sildren's early motivations. I'd be remiss if I didn't say uh, there are two hybrid NPCs. One, uh, Sir Kendall. Yeah. Oh yeah. The other being Mad Eye. Yes. Mad Eye. Both by Jeremy. I didn't know uh, if those were official NPCs. So Sir Kendall. Yeah, Sir Kendall and Sir Kendall. I, I, great point. Yeah, I, I didn't, even, didn't even think of those NPCs. They were my voice, but yeah, <laughs> those were some great characters that had completely different endings or turnouts for where they are going from where I where I would have played them because I wasn't really playing them. I was just kind of giving them a tone. Can I tell you that I still sometimes, like, completely, like, out in the real world will hear Sir Kendall go, well, well, well. <laughs> Just in certain situations, I, I hear that fucking voice in my head. <laughs> I remember telling Jeremy of, hey, this is like the second or third time Kendall ever appeared. Hey, they might go this route. If so, uh, let's have him appear and he can kind of interrupt them. And Jeremy's like, okay, and it may not, and it didn't, but then, like, a week later... We're in the scene and we're talking, and Sir Kendall comes in to interrupt you. He, Jeremy interrupted me while I was describing. He interrupted the game master with Sir Kendall. I'm like, son of a bitch, he got me too. That was uh, that, that was, was good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> My favorite NPCs, I would say, uh, definitely Kelly and Vero was a favorite of mine. Uh, I have also three old guys that I really liked. Uh, one was, and they're kind of quiet, uh, Lord Endemore, just mm. this old yeah. guy, not strong, not powerful, really doesn't have a lot of political power, but he's trying to do the right thing. He's standing up, willing to risk everything. And he, again, he's right at the edge of that usefulness, you know, yeah. but he's doing everything he Solid can. He was a stalwart yeah. ally, yeah. Yeah, Lord yeah, Yenamore was a good one. Uh, I mean, and all of the people there associated, you know, in Mirskan, associated with bringing back the Grey Wolf. Oh, yeah. And they were all good. Uh, I also really like, uh, and you never heard this person say a single word out loud, and that was Onerius the Sage, our background <laughs> character who was writing different things. Yeah, he first appeared in episode five in the tower in the note. Yeah. Uh, and then, I know this is cheating, but I also liked an old man vibe of Sir Brenros, particularly in some of the script moments where he was being belittled or put down by his fellow knights. And being able to see that contrast, and I know you weren't always necessarily comfortable with that, but seeing that contrast of them putting him out to pasture early, and he's got to do this stuff, and then watching him get strong, and then having that vindication of standing before the dragon and all that—that that was really cool for me. Uh, Phineas Stumblepot was another. He was a good. Oh, I'm so one. sad really he didn't come wish, back anywhere. I, I really know. wish we would have seen him. Yeah, even like in the in the, the you know when the 
Defenders United, like, um, yeah. he Especially... was just this bumbling, like, didn't really do a lot of stuff right, but, but oh, somehow endearing. And he had a, uh, you guys missed, you went to Mirskan one time, and he was there, and I had a huge sheet, uh, like a Myers-type sheet of, ah, of all craftable shit. mechanical items, and you guys never went there. I was like, oh, damn. It would have been great to see if Phineas showed up at that last battle with some sort of mechanician. Mm -hmm. of yeah. Yeah. Going, going against the Onocrine mechanicians. Like, <laughs> yeah, that would have been cool. Those were the, him and Shale, I think, were the only two NPCs like missing from that mention. Shell, yeah. The, yep. you know, um, uh, the Thousand Isles NPCs, the uh, a monkey guy, Cabal, the Minotaur, um, mm. all them. I think that was a really yeah. nice section of our campaign. The, the yeah, water. fun arc. Just yeah, the, whole the Thousand Isles. Yeah. Thing. Uh, I have a question for Jeremy. Yeah. Jeremy, you are a new player this season. You uh, reached out to us. You did some auditioning stuff for us. Uh, how did your expectation of what the uh, role-playing game with us would be, the Inglorious Bards Adventures, compare to what your expectation was to right now, here you are at it when it's all done? Exactly as you had planned, kind of different, not in any way the same? Oh, yeah. No, Somewhere. this is... Uh... This is not the way I, I in expected it to go. I truly thought when when the audition went out and what you were looking for, We'd I be thought famous by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I mean I I had the insecurity, you know, showing up. I had a little bit of concern of like maybe I'm not good enough. You know, this is something I've always wanted, but maybe I don't qualify. Maybe I don't I don't hit that level. And uh, the fact that I was able to, to keep going and, and keep up with everyone was like, great, it's, we're still going. So I'll ride this out for the three months that they have me on or, or the six months that the show is done. And like, we're going to wrap we're gonna wrap the season there. Uh, we'll call you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I, and, and I was like, I, I expected it to be a good run. When, when the pandemic hit and when we did the lockdown and there was a very real possibility that we could just stop. And it was just like, we can't do this anymore. We can't get together in person. There's no vaccine. But we all worked together and kept going wrong with it and going around with it. And then really like being forced to connect, not just show up at the same place and see each other every week. But now we're reaching out to each other. Now we're texting, now we're emailing, mm -hmm. now we're meeting in Zoom. I was like, oh, this is real. This is a real thing. And and so I, it was already there. Like we've been doing it for a while, but it really kind of like hit that moment for me. I was like. I'm a part of this group and I'm going to be a part of this group and everything about being this group is there. So the expectation got so much further than where I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a six month podcast and I didn't expect it to go to Twitch, to cameras, to bringing back in my old. So too long profession. is what you're saying. So long. I just, I just want to go home. Can we wrap up this question and answer session right now? Uh, well, then, similarly uh, to Alistair, as someone new to role-playing games, uh, what have you learned or, or grown about throughout this campaign about role-playing, and how has your approach to gaming changed over this season? Um, the biggest challenge for me was always going to be the math. Uh, I you know, never was very good in school and stuff. It's, you know, just numbers kind of freak me out sometimes. It, you guys made it very easy, um, both metagaming it and at the table. Um, you know, I, I've watched a lot of role play in the couple of years we've been doing this on from other groups and uh, played a couple of games with friends and stuff like that. But there, there's really nothing 
quite like the bards um i've said it a thousand times i'll probably say it a thousand more i am very spoiled uh for this being my first D D gaming podcast live camera improv <laughs> all of it in one thing i feel super blessed that i got to do everything in one go and find what i'm not good at what i am good at finding out i'm pretty good at voices and character stuff and i can do improv and all this stuff so all the things i'm not so great at i feel i got quite better at especially the math kind of in these last few episodes i was really just getting mm -hmm. i feel a lot more confident in it um i i really longed for a long time to figuring out could i do a podcast you know what would a podcast be because most podcasts are two people having a conversation on a couch or you know just sure. not playing a game together as a group figuring out a fully realized story um over three years you know three years of this you know with breaks and stuff it, it's just a long way to say i feel like i've grown stronger in my uh kind of mental capacities um and i feel really secure in my ability uh going f forward whether or not you know however many seasons i'm with the bards you know podcasting playing at home tables i feel like i can run a game you know for people a lot easier having that experience you know dming a game um and having you guys tell me i did it like the hardest way possible with <laughs> separating you know like all the things um it really gave me a lot of confidence oh great um as a person um i've really grown quite a bit in that way has anything else uh, i think it was Bat Sammy or SG Pran um, has asked, is there anything that affected you personally with the game at all? Where you walk away from the session and like, oh, like it affected you in any kind of way? Mm -hmm. There are a couple times. Um, you know, I think one in the early episodes, there was the biting moment between Idrisil and Iggy that was somewhat of a biting moment between Seth and Alistair at the table downstairs. Um, it took me a couple weeks to kind of get over my overthinking am i an asshole is he an asshole am i like what's going on am i did i fuck up did i ruin the session did I, <laughs> you know <laughs> like <laughs> um there, there you know some you know uh definite um thoughts like that but no i i think in every sense i grew as a person um playing this game Al alistair guys. i will say i have seen you grow for sure as a person i appreciate um, it so agreed i yeah. haven't <laughs> I've seen a little regression. Yeah, a little, little backslide here. Asshole, actually, no, um, j just just from your early days with us to now, just like the level of flexibility that you've developed in just rolling with the punches. And there mm -hmm. were, you know, times early on where I knew you had an idea of how you wanted the story to go, and if it didn't go that way, there would be a little bit of frustration mm -hmm. there for you know. Sure, uh, you know, sure. a minute before you were able to move on. Um, but just as we got further and further, just that roll with the punches um, that, you know, you were able to adapt, you know, and, and overcome. And just if the moment didn't work the way you wanted, you would be able to, you know, adjust mm -hmm. it to exactly. something else and, mm -hmm. and still like that, 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 that moment. Um, and just, I mean, your role play has been spot on. You've done a great job playing to your character. I've been mad at your character's choices at times, <laughs> uh, but you know, that's part of you like, you know, we've all been frustrated by mm -hmm. sure. the choices that other players have made at times. I'm sure. Yeah. 
Um, but you know, they've always seemed super consistent and in line with, with how I see, you know, you seeing your character, um, which I've always appreciated. So I appreciate it. Um, I, I'll ask a question from sister bill. Um, she's asking, um, if you could change one thing about your character, what would that be? Um, I'm still thinking about this for Yaru. Um, the, the message moment is a big one. Um, I'm not sure. Alistair is not sure if I would change how that happened. Um, for me, the the big change, I think, would be in the Yelena moment. Yaru would have kind of joined Bali in that you have to sign a contract with me now. Um, I would have been less... Oh, you remember that, yeah. <laughs> I, I would have been less... I remember that very well. I would have been mm. a lot less easygoing... Uh, with that moment, mm. I think. Um, Any other changes you guys worse. would make? Um, Sildren definitely always regretted the scene with the orcs and um, oh, yeah. the horrid yeah. wilting. Um, yeah. And it never got used after that, right? <laughs> Correct. I <laughs> burned it from the pages. So, well, <laughs> I had a real moral dilemma moving into the final episode. Um, knowing we were going to the 11th span, I was like, this spell is likely to be super useful. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I, I, I was like, you know, Keth, forgive me if I go all out just this one time, just right? So <laughs> <many> <laughs> times, <laughs> Monty Python foot comes yeah. down from the clouds and steps on him. Yeah, but I, but I didn't take it. I was like, nope, nope, nope. I, you know, that was Seth, uh, Sildren's, mm. um, you know, promise to Keth. Um, was essentially that he wouldn't do it. So, yeah, I think um, a few months ago I might have had like some regrets or some things I would want to change about Xanner, uh, either the way he approached things or even just the way he leveled, the way he took different spells and, and like had a particular focus. He started this mm. elemental wizard that really went for this fire bloodline, but in the end, I, I really, I'm really, really proud of this guy for everything he you turned into everything that he he grew mm-hmm. through and even going through setbacks and the way he came out of them like he's he's a, he's gonna be with me the rest of my life like this this is gonna be a really neat character to think about so this, this i really, wouldn't have changed him this was xander's story mm-hmm. really was xander's story i wish yeah. we could find all the different roles where he was going to die the 20 percent here the 40 percent oh here the 10 and add them all together and figure out the total odds of him ever making it to the end <laughs> I'll say it again. I'm glad it's recorded so someday somebody can do that in a 20 years from now. Somebody's just, hey, this is the supercut of all of Xander rants. <laughs> you know? Oh, oh God. <laughs> it gets faster after each one. Uh, uh, anybody cool. else? Anything they change? All right. I got SG Pren jumping in. Let's you. Please. SG Pren asked, quick, around the table, we'll start with Alistair. Pick a, a strength, an ability, or a, a capability of another character that made you say, made you say, dang, I want that for my character. Ooh, that's really good. That's the one um, that like. Uh, I will match kind of for Yaru wanting to be both frontline and protect everybody. Mm-hmm. The shield of Renros ability. Um on any level, the you know first level. The, right. That Seth. One word. Friggin' dragons. <laughs> it was so weird that like Seth was so excited listening to the level ups when both Christopher and 
uh, Jer or Chris and Jeremy took those feats. I'm like, you could be freaking dragons. Like, that's a game changer. That's gonna make shit so much more exciting. And like, you guys did it a few times, and you just didn't ever do it. And I was always like. If we, I had that power, yeah. I'd be doing it every damn battle. Like, You'd be doing it in social encounters. <laughs> you say that now, but you're not a dragon. Like when you become a dragon, oh, you're like, true. oh, this is really limiting. Like, <laughs> all I can be is a dragon? That's Yeah, we talked about this briefly off camera and we said we would talk about the 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 dragon thing and why it fell out of vogue for for both of us at that at the level that we were at, it was very useful. Um and then there is the heightened version of um that that you're huge um which i think children did one time but it is you know what what jeremy just said it is extreme like you're now just like you have basically two abilities now and that's it and as a spellcaster there's other things that i'm always looking at um, and also, there were times where I was like, I would love to become a dragon right now, but I don't have the space in this building to do it. Because um, the couple times where I was like, this would work, you actually have to have, like, yeah. you know, you know, the spell yeah, states, you have to be able to, like, grow into in, in, into the space. And there were times where we were did a lot of fighting indoors in dungeons, low, low, low ceilings that, like, I could, I literally could the spell would not right. have let's, affected. Let's keep going to our abilities then. Uh, Christopher, one Easily ability. Easily Yaru's movement speed. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. 80 nice. at the end. Xanner, <laughs> uh, yeah, Jeremy? Te teleport. Same with ADL. But like, like uh, there's a couple times early Yaru was able to blink himself at different places and I was like, someday! <laughs> someday! <laughs> really wanted that one. Um, I mean, Piercy's ability just to step off any ledge and just, just basically fall. just, yeah, that was just, pretty cool. yeah, the, the unlimited cat fall. I also, thought he was going to do it in the gears. Your, your successes are immediately yeah. on your reflexes. Oh, yeah. the, the reflexes for like half the campaign were yeah, critical. That's brutal. Brutally good for against my, the bad guys. Yeah. Um, I think for Piercy, he was envious of the amount of damage that, Amount of, of melee damage that both Palik or Yaru could yeah. do in a hit. Like for Piercy, a good hit was like 30 points of damage. And it was like, we're getting into the triple digits sometimes with, with Yaru and Palik. Yeah, so. the damage is always the thing, uh, competition, as on, on mentioned competition, but the always can do damage thing is pretty important yeah, factor as well. Yeah, yeah. You're always doing it instead of me missing all of my punches sometimes. And yeah, and you had some, I think, utility-type abilities that maybe didn't get showcased a lot that that were outside of pure raw damage dealing that, that, that were useful. Uh, I'll, add, I'll add the maze navigator mm. one to that. I got Warren to use navigator. it. I yeah. got to use it uh, once or twice as PRC, but uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, what other questions you guys have? I have a bunch here, but I don't want to skip any questions you players have. Yeah, I, I got I, mine. I'm good. I've got more from uh, what, some people. Uh, Tom, uh, what kind of teasers can you give the audience yes. uh, and us about season four? Teasers? I can't give any teasers. <laughs> oh, I, have a, I have a question from Quinley on season four. It's just what would you guys, if you played Pathfinder again outside of the bards in the bar, what, what class would you like to play in Pathfinder? Oh, for uh, me, it's easy. I, like a champion, the like a tank, yeah. um, something that... Like what Bren Rose was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd go bard. Stay close. I'd probably go bard. I just I'm so curious about the spell casting, but light. 
light spell that's, cast. A, that's a different kind of spell <laughs> casting too that's a real yeah. I want to be a monk support. If, if season four I was a monk I'm gonna be a monk I would go against like everything I, I know about role playing and be a, a, a cleric <laughs> oh, wow. mm. Also, don't forget there was the Oracle. Yeah, there was a the yeah, there's investigator. A a there's a gunslinger. Yes, gunslinger yes. is what <laughs> I want to be next season. We haven't so seen cool. a high level alchemist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's still a lot of options. Yeah, a barbarian. Like what? Like yeah. you said earlier. Like what? What Ignal could have done at level two? And, Some and, and you could, not done. They yeah. have more. And children. you could all be <laughs> monks <laughs> as a great. You could all six would be monks again, and they would six all be monks. different because oh, there's yeah. so oh, many yeah. different ways so to build. Which was kind of a neat idea. I think a like group a, a of monastery. just two paladins and four clerics. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just damn it, wall. Can't kill him. Finally, force you if, to deal with something other than happens, undead. The, I would. I would be a paladin. <laughs> Christopher, did you have some questions? Uh, Looked like you were reaching for something. As we were going through, we were, I, I was going through my list, but uh, it evolved. Yeah. All right, uh, then I will dive into SG Print again. She says, quick, what's the funniest moment from the season that comes to mind? Xander <laughs> and his father. I agree. Uh, I totally agree. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's that was the first one that came into my Tom, head. Tom, that's some of your best oh. work. Like uh, the father, son. There's a couple of them, Bali and his father, but Xanner and Tannel. Bali and Dad was awesome. Bali's <laughs> Dad was awesome. It's great. Um, um, I I was not there for that episode, but I do remember. Um, I do remember a moment. Uh, Piercy and Xanner had uh, where Piercy was convincing Xanner that something was not his fault. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And making Xander re repeat scene. after me. Yes. Any bombs away, bitches. Personally, the funniest moment, the, the moment that I felt like I just kind of shined real fast was when Xander tried to make one of Jix's uh, alchemical potions. And natural one did. I, I, it, was, it was gonna be one of those changing things, and then and then had to drink it later on. So, <laughs> Xander drinking while you're describing what's happening, right. the whole action back and forth. Xander that having was... to be Vargalos for the better yeah. part of the campaign is a good shit. <laughs> Meeting Jix's parents and found, finding out oh, he's like yeah. from a civilized oh, yeah. family, <laughs> and like you know de dealing with mother. Yeah, <laughs> and the bed and getting all tucked in. You guys sleeping next to each other. Yeah. I will say the opposite of that. The most dramatic was meeting mother to tell her that her son had died. Uh, that was ooh. super hard. Can I tell you how glad I am I was not part of that group that went to go talk <laughs> to them? It was you and I think Idrisil or Brenrose. It was you one of them. Were there. Yeah, because right? Idrisil you were there when he wasn't died. a character yet. Because. No, it, it was. It just, it just, or you just saw, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Yara was it? Yeah, it was. It was yeah. Yara and Ignal. Oh, that one told him. Yeah. All right. Uh, the eloquently named Turd Smuglin <laughs> says, <laughs> "I just wanted to say thank you for the hundreds of hours of entertainment. Uh, we love you guys in this house, and every single one of you is an inspiration to my playing and GMing." My wife Claire wants to know that I guess that would be Claire Turd Smuggling. Um, Claire Smuggling. <laughs> uh, she wants to know what was the most infuriating moment or decision made during the season by someone else. Most infuriating, infuriating decision I mean, made by someone else. Well, killing somebody was one. Yeah. Oh, not as much as Yaru putting yeah. the blood on the crystal yeah. that uh, ended a year and a half. Yeah. Before. <laughs> that was a big one. That, 
that uh, was it, like yeah. Xander called down meteors on top of you for yeah. that. Like that was absolutely probably. The I most think creepy. Jeremy called the meteors on that. One. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know it was a Jeremy moment. <laughs> I'll break out Sildren's list. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't think of anything infuriating. There were some pretty big moments. Prop, maybe maybe Says the Yaru. source of all the infuriating. Decisions. Maybe Yaru, but I, Piercy was actually Piercy was actually quietly on board with what Pleak did with Yelena. So, but you had a vendetta against the dragon. I did. Like, mm-hmm. You carried a grudge. Uh, so yeah. So maybe you know, uh, uh, Shale destroying Mirskan for for Piercy oh, was yeah. the most infuriating. Sure. Uh, Tom, was there anything any of us did that you were like? angry or upset about mm. i can only think of maybe one for instance like what when ignol when you were like very specific like don't rile these guys House up fast. Uh-huh. Yeah. In was just like I, I don't know if that annoyed me as much of just like okay you're gonna deal yeah. with the consequences and i didn't know exactly what it that did. meant uh but it, it came to pass and so did they um <laughs> eventually uh, no, not necessarily, because again, I, I try. I there's moments and ideas where I think the adventure's going one way or the other, but if it doesn't, I mean, that's just the way it is. And it's it's interesting if Xander blows something up that's incredibly precious, then uh, what do you guys do about it? Like, how mm-hmm. do you handle now that the big thing is gone? I don't know. It's up to you. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, SG Pren asks, what would have happened if the heroes had used the Illestel book in the Nexus? That's a good question. That goes to the undead realm. Uh, I can say that it would have been very much like the cave of three faces in the cliff. (laughs) There's a place there. There's things. There's death. There's spirits. uh, And there would have been, yeah, a (laughs) lot of, okay, we need to get the hell out of here. It would have been. Unless they're level like 19 or 20 or 18, it would have been just too soon to even go there. But there was a way to reach out and you go connect with Scordranar through. There was a path there. Um, uh, not necessarily to physically be with him, but to contact him if you needed to. So, hmm. But it just never came to pass. Uh, SG Pren also asks, uh, Tom, did you expect the heroes to end up getting as much use out of the Nexus Quill as they did? Um, I don't, maybe it should have gotten even a little bit more. What we realized maybe halfway through is we're in these mid-tier adventures and the way travel works and the limited time that we do things, things are so compacted that you need a method of travel to get around. Uh, And originally it was one location per book. Yeah. So the north was the one up there at the Gleaming Isle. The south was the one in Zexa. And then as we were talking, something came up and like, oh, yeah, there's a hidden thing. in the, Oh, yeah. And so now the books had multiple things, uh, which helped uh, expand. But it also wasn't just anywhere you wanted. But the quill, yeah, you had to make some choices of where to go. We never went back to the Endless Pond one. I thought that was a cool one. Right. It was yeah. a great one. They, yeah, the, the, the quill yeah. was super powerful. I like that one. Uh, let's see. Was there any other way to uh, replenish the quill's power other no. than doing something like? No, it's generally super yeah, generally crazy. like a Super Mario concept of defeating a big bad guy and it refills just to put some sort of cap on it. The spheres is the sphere a universal part of this particular type of universe? Because there were so many different <laughs> spheres. Yeah, Clean let's spheres, talk more about spheres. spheres. Yes. They, 
Ember Sphere in the book or, or the uh, Elder Sphere. Like there is, there's a whole level. Is that a universal truth of the world that we live in, or was there a reason that there was that these were always a form of power? The Rift Sphere, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't tell you anything at all about that. Okay. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> Were you surprised that uh, I, as Chris, as Chris, Chris was willing to yeah, touch another sphere? Reached out and touched the <laughs> sphere. Awesome. The sphere. <laughs> I mean, you said you do it. Uh, that was there. There was there was some trauma response That's in that. That's a callback yeah. to season one. Yes. You yeah. You had hundred percent expectations of death. Like you were like Shunka. Goodbye. Yeah. 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 I yeah, I had I had I had said goodbye to Shunka and was like yeah, that's right. there's a good chance that I'm out. Licked his forehead and everything. Yeah. Uh, I have one from the Quinley. Yes. Uh, everybody except for Jeremy. Oh. Uh um because Jeremy, you're the first and the last of the defenders. But does anybody wish their character got to level tw- their first character got to level twenty? Um I would love to see Jix at 20. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I had so much fun playing Jix. Well, and I I said uh, off camera at some point, having another cleric who was very heel-centric, you know, some minor character choice, you know, I'm sure development choices were different, but by and large, Bali and Killian would Mm. be running fairly similar to the philosophical character development that I think I got to solve. Kind of what Killian would have been, yeah. so that was cool. Ignal had some unfinished business, but mm. Pleek will go down as like one of my all-time awesome. favorite characters. He's great. Uh, yeah. Why? That is the style of uh, like role-playing character. Like a rogue, it will always be my forever like favorite class. So when you play the cleric later on, you'll still be looting and stabbing. <laughs> <laughs> no, not even a little bit. Uh, a lot of it. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, that, and then just like the story development she had, and then yeah. late and yeah. late, late in the season, you gave her the whole Tom. You gave her uh, that story about how her mother died, and yeah. she already had like a beef with House Vast just because like she loves revenge <laughs> and because yep. of how bad Sildren was about finding everything about Ignal. But then that was like, oh my. Oh, yeah. That's why, that's yes. why, because I, you, it was originally going to be, I'm going to go find that Montre guy and kill him, but you at the end said, I want to just wipe out oh, House yeah, Vast. that's why. And I'm like, well, you can't do that. And I'll shoot, you're level 20. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't use you that You can word. wipe out cities, so you can wipe that's out a house. Good. But yeah, that's why. That, and then just like the whole thing, the whole arc with Xanar, and just, she will always be like, top, mm. top tier character for me. From nice. Yeah. I feel like I got the best of both worlds. Honestly, like my first guy didn't die. He was there at the end. Uh, and I got to kind of trade out for a really awesome uh, style of character that I didn't think. I didn't, you know, I, I thought Ranger would be the easiest at when we were doing character creation and all that. Um, again, I didn't want to start with a wizard or something super heavy. But you, um, you dabbled in spells. But, and you but yeah, it out. I did some light spell casting and stuff, I guess. Um, but the monk is, I think, uh, this is probably just the timing of everything, me joining this podcast, when Pathfinder 2 comes out with this monk style that you can do literally anything with. Like, I tried the stances, and then it wasn't really for me, so I went with the wind thing, which fit the story super well. All of this stuff, so I, I really lucked out. 
I would have liked to have seen Idrisil at level twenty. Just and and I think this comes from playing a ranger in yeah. season one and and really liking that ranger concept mm-hmm. and feeling he did well. I I would have. I mean, as cool as Yaru was, I yeah, I, 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 I would have loved to have seen. Um, you know, a level a thousand feet away. Yeah, be just freaking the scene from three hundred. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <with> Archer. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, SG Pren asks, uh, we've done some one-shots adventures here, not GM'd by me, Tom. So for bards who have recently GM'd one-shots, what was the hardest thing about game mastering those and or what gave you the most appreciation? Oh, for the way Tom does things. <laughs> oh, I didn't, I I didn't why, see that. I you asked that How question. did that question get in there? <laughs> Pass. Pass. <laughs> Indifferent. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I please, no, please, you first. Uh, I just talked. D- DMing for you was, uh, I was scared. I was the first one that ever uh, right. did a one-off, and I was like, like, just like, what's Tom gonna do? Is, this, is he, <laughs> he going to be just? Is he gonna screw with me just because he can? <laughs> uh, which you, you did a little bit, which uh, I can't imagine you, you could not have. But uh, yeah, that was my biggest fear. I was like, what's Tom gonna do? <laughs> um, that and then like you. You have pretty big shoes to fill. You're uh, like uh, Alistair said earlier. You were my first introduction to all of this, um, and I haven't had that much experience outside of. Well, because I this. suck, you don't realize what it's really supposed <laughs> well, to be I mean, like. Well, I wasn't going to bring that up. This is why he brings in a bunch of newbies yeah. so that we don't know better. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, very much that same uh, sentiment. It it's humbling to come here to this table and then be asked to you know the fact that you are willing to ask us to do it because you don't want to be a forever dm uh is really nice uh, of you to do that at the table because there are people who who like doing that and there are people who only want to do that but you're okay with doing it and you put all this work into your story but when when it's time to take a break you're comfortable uh giving up the seat for me the actual experience of doing it was just super fun because I think, again, the group that we have just makes everything a lot easier. You know, as soon as I sat down at the head of the table, all of my nerves went away. Mm. Um, that the whole day of planning and overthinking and then scraping everything, all the plans that I had made, that was one where I was like, does he do this every week? He just makes <laughs> all these plans and then throws them all away. Um, so that was that was a big one for me. All right, I have three questions left. Any other questions from you guys? I have one for Seth. Um, the reason Palik gave uh, some of us or all of us at times the different articles of clothing, what was the kind of choice behind that? She didn't want to give up her roots of like what she thought her life was going to be before the tragedy struck. Mm-hmm. And... Um, she she also she, the first time she did that was after the whole Yelena thing yeah. and uh, uh, wanted to, to knew that because of what she did still didn't feel bad about it but knew because of what she did like caused a rift in the in the group wanted to try to unite the group mm-hmm. and then just listened like uh, Xander happened to be the only one that talked about something fashion forward and wanting and I immediately like wrote yeah. that down highlighted it and was like I gotta remember this and I will put it into play one day amazing because Xander didn't remember at all yeah 
<laughs> and I was just thinking about um, Polik's seamstress shop, and like mm. you know, she's there, and a customer's like giving giving somebody a hard time. It's just not knowing yeah. <laughs> what's go- the death that's about to befall them from the little seamstress. You uh, dummy! This is silk. Yeah. <laughs> What was a change, if any, that you actively made in your character over time? Not the stats or anything, but I, I want to go this direction a little bit and from now on with my character. Anything like that happen? There was a point at which uh, both Tim and Piercy wanted to be taken a little more seriously. <laughs> um, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> laughing. That obviously space. works out really <laughs> well for you by Seth laugh. I didn't mean. It just. <laughs> <laughs> Timing. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Sorry. Go anyway. on. <laughs> serious moment. Yeah, serious moment. Um, uh, Piercy. Piercy tried to, and I think successfully took advantage, like was able to to make his character a little uh, more serious in, in when he would interact with Feyon. Um Because up till that point, Piercy was, uh, I mean, he was he was a swashbuckler and, and and everything, but he wasn't like he had he had no when it came to to saying anything to anyone, like to speaking for the group, to any of that, like. He was just always like talked over and like dismissed or whatever. So, um, or just couldn't be understood. Right. That's more why I was laughing. There's that. No, it, it was like, yeah. Um, and I, I take half the blame for that because, uh, how things grew or moments like we didn't have like that very special episode where Jordy LaForge is like the star of the thing of the episode with Piercy, where we might have it with Xana or Yaru or Bali. We never really had that. We didn't go deep into the Mirskon background or sewers or your family. Like, I killed them all. Um, <laughs> but also then the scripts as well, always him just being the silly. Uh, and that's that's totally yeah. fine. Uh, like a sidekick character who's also a hero. Not a sidekick, but kind of at the same time. So, yeah. And then when you played Sildren, when you were like, it feels good to like be listened to I, here. Yeah, when I was Sildren and people listened to me, I was like, Oh, this is nice. It's addicting. <laughs> um, but Piercy had already at that point been able to like go in front of King Phaon and speak for the group and sway the king. Mm-hmm. And so I think from it, there, it wasn't a, a, a mechanics thing. It wasn't a way I leveled up or anything. It was just play, how I was playing the character. So, And I mean, I, I know I've hit on this multiple times, but I, Sildren, when he was before Keth, like... With the orcs, that was that was a fear-based response of the group is gonna like screw it up, so I need to like just kill everything, right? Um, so that so that we can continue to move forward. Um, and Sildren sort of stopped playing, like taking actions out of fear um, after that. Um, I, so you know, I, I sort of committed to to that process, and I guess you know, playing with uh, you know. Acting with less fear was was sort of Sildren's commitment. As a player, um, I haven't used a spellcaster before. Only done uh, rangers and and rogues and and other things before. So I was very used to combat being 
I'm gonna run up. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna come around. I'm gonna flank. I'm gonna make sure I get these positions. And Xanner uh, tried that. That was a big part of how he fought and fell and fell and fell over and over again. Right? Killian and Sildren both are like, Jesus, stay out of the way. And Xander uh, was like, oh, so I changed the way I played and, and almost the way I saw everything. And that's where I started like, I'm going to cast walls and I'm going to throw fireballs from way over here. And oh, we didn't mention the walls and the irritating things. There was a whole learning curve for Jeremy as well as Xander on like, how am I doing this right? You're like, ha, I put up a wall. And everyone's like, fuck, yeah. I can't reach it now. I remember like, that one battle you like. I Char ice, I believe. We can't get to him. <laughs> you know that's good though because yeah, that's yeah. That, that is Xanner learning for how sure. to how to use his magic in battle. Yeah, really, mm. right. Let's, yeah. let's turn it into a story moment for sure. But it was <laughs> mostly just to learn it off the clock. <laughs> <laughs> this is what montages are for, Xanner. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm just here looking, by the way, at my campaign notes. I use software called Realmworks that I love to death to track it all. Uh, each of these, there are entries in there for city locations, important people, groups, and then adventures and scenes that may or may not happen. Just as an interesting side note, uh, some of these might be a paragraph. Some of them might be dense, several pages where every, every sentence, especially like the big Scordonard, this could happen, this could happen, maybe mom died, that kind of stuff. Um, there are a number of entries I just looked. It says there's 1,048 entries uh, for this. So that is a lot of campaign information. Wow. I even have big just arc concepts in here with titles like uh, Creation of the Mithril Barrier, Drums of the Champions, which would be the Oubliette, uh, Honor Crane and the Great Machine, Return of Char Ice, Return of King Phaon, the Nexus Arc, Towers of Scorgenar. I have unused quests that uh like uh ivoron clans there was a big arc of that which never came to be which is fine uh storm range encounters i had a bunch of encounters for the storm range but you guys kind of skirted that mm -hmm. i had a huge fun adventure set for the temple of the three winds of because you you were mentioning going back there at some point of you having to take them through and there would be like this <laughs> mountain winding passage and they'd have to do each of the three, what is it, balance? Focus, balance, focus, balance, and power. Yeah, and they'd have to do each one of these. You would just walk on through, Yeah. but beware, here comes, and you couldn't tell them, mm -hmm. so that was going to be a fun thing. Instead, I just got compacted to you teleporting to a Tarai scene, so that got cut. Then I've got unnecessary quest category. <laughs> uh, acolytes gone missing. You remember the poor mm -hmm. acolyte oh from early on? What yes. did happen to that poor guy? Uh, let's see what happened to the acolyte who went missing. Um, oh, he's Scorgenar. Uh, <laughs> uh, Slaver. Uh, Acolyte Lofio was his yeah, name. Lofio. He had a little drink, and the next thing he know, he was swindled out of his writing equipment and a valuable book. The miners talked to a slaver friend of theirs, Tadian. Tadian offered the money to lure the Acolyte to their mining camp under the guise of feeling bad and giving his stuff back. They captured him and have taken him to the slaver camp several hours out of town. Tadian hopes Lofi will be a great prize in healing the rest of the wounded slaves at the Vargalo slave camp area up there. Lofio sadly is a writer and a binder and has absolutely no healing skills, so they killed him. Uh, I had a creature under the docks multi-mission adventure that was in Tavernry, um, which was going to get a little bit into the uh, uh, monster type because it was posted on I one remember, of the posts. I remember that the being tavern. on the board, yeah. yeah. That never happened. Right. 
I have Creepy Guy Needs to Die as an adventure. That was, there was a bookkeeper in Mirskan that you guys were loosely connected to if you wanted work to get money, and you guys turned it down. This was an assassination quest he would have sent you on if you wanted. Uh, I don't even. I can't even remember what "huntful forgiveness" means. I have Jick's sister mini arc that uh, never got used. Never obviously, happened. I have. Uh, oh, and then snakes ate my son. Uh, I had a quest going on, I think in Tabernary, that was going to deal with the snake cult that Soldrum is yeah. loosely connected to, and I do pat That's myself cool. on the back with not doing cults, really, for the first time in any campaign <laughs> in the longest time. <laughs> That's a big fallback for me. We, you're, we did not encounter uh, cult after cult. Brotherhood's a little there. We're not in Brotherhood. Brotherhood's a little there. Um, all right, I've got a question. They're more uh, militia. <laughs> they did some. What they did with Jicks was a little. Yeah. Eh. The Bat Sammy asks if you could have a celebrity play your character in a live action mm. adaptation of season three, who would it be and why? Let's go with Master Yaru, live celebrity. Who would play you? Um, I'm looking up his name right now. The military bad guy from Avatar. Oh, the oh, old the general ex- guy? Yeah, would be yeah. pretty good. Yeah. All right. Yaru, I think. Lang or something? Lang. Yeah, Stephen Lang. All right. Yeah. Stephen Lang, yeah. Interesting. Uh, most people might have to look her up, but... Uh, Everything in Varan wants to eat is, you up and spit you. Yeah. Uh, Shannon Sossaman. I don't know. She was in A Knight's Tale. Um, yeah. Scottish? Wrist, wrist Cutter's A Love Story. Uh, uh, I think was she the main love interest in... A Knight's Tale. Oh, oh that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I was oh, like yeah, her. Yeah. yeah. Just like the pic- or like pixie-ish kind of look. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, uh, She's been in a couple things where she had an attitude, and I think that was be necessary. All right. Yeah. What about Bali? Uh, Bali, uh, priest of the Stonefather, played by Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> I was thinking Jack Black. I get that yeah. Oh, the, the Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get that. <laughs> Not Chris. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Renros played by Peter Dinklage, or switch the two. <laughs> All right. What about Xander? Uh, Charlie Day. I, I, mm. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Was, that was, is absolutely a great cool. pick. <laughs> yeah, he would he would translate that super easy. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. She's tall, lanky, and has that like just the the stick up his ass. Yeah, that like <laughs> that you son of a. I can like, see Benedict Cumberbatch pushing yeah. a guy off of a cliff. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And Piercy. Um, I have been likened. Uh, in I've been likened in some public uh, photos that are floating around the internet of me to uh, Andy Circus. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So th- would this be a mocap performance? <laughs> yeah. With the beard, <laughs> especially. <laughs> exactly with the beard. Uh, I mean, he does I, that so well. In my younger days, without the facial hair, as you well. need someone who can stretch their voice quite a bit yeah. to get to piercing. <laughs> Uh, David Spade also hmm. I've been liking to so I will say uh, James McAvoy for Idrisil oh yeah yeah, yeah that would uh, work uh, Brendan Gleeson for Ignal for sure he's a big uh, Irish guy uh, was in Braveheart. He played Mad Eye Moody in the Harry yeah. Potter films. Who okay. was he in Braveheart? Oh, he was the father. Oh yeah, my favorite actor. Yeah. He also plays Seth 
he will play Seth in <laughs> the movie. Probably. Gotcha. <laughs> yes. All right. Seth the movie. <laughs> I have one last question. I guess this is the last question. Who would play you in the movie, Tom? Uh, Tom Green. <laughs> <laughs> Played by himself. Uh, it would be James Cameron. Um, James Cameron. Thanks. <laughs> All right. So my last question would be, <laughs> what concepts or goals would you hope to get out of season four? Concepts or goals? That's an interesting. We question. don't know the system, the setting, or anything, but yeah. it's like, hey, sitting on a roleplay, the guys, I want, I'd love this kind of experience. Villains. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know if this speaks too specifically to the setting, but I could picture, I could picture season four being a thousand years forward. Yeah. And in Varen. In Varen, a thousand years forward. And uh, the the silent fate is rousing itself once again with a whole new course. Of I would say similarly, Varen. I I love Varen. Like I, I'm very much in love with this world. It is so cool. Um, I would also probably go hundreds of years, if not a thousand years, in the future. I would probably get away from the uh, silent fate and stuff. Um, Maybe all the continents have changed names and stuff like that, um, as they were like in the Chaloran yeah. and Bizer Different empires. All, like all of us playing the same class, I think, would be fun, and seeing yeah. how just as our our personalities would, uh, mm. you know, yeah. level up and change, like to just to see how how that would work. I don't know; it might be dumb, but. It's, it's interesting in my head. For yeah. me, what I would like to see is somehow me letting to squeeze in a little more downtime. That's one of the challenges. <laughs> yeah. Because I struggle because f just from a story perspective, keep the reader wanting more. What's you know the cliffhanger at the end of the chapter? Keep you guys coming back. That's normal role playing for me. Then add a show on top of that. For me, it's harder than just stop and let you guys, you know, mill about a town for 30 yeah, to 45 minutes off. of real time. Um, but I, it seems like we need that. We need that maybe relief valve because I keep stacking next challenges, next challenges. And, you know, I mean, we, I think, do a good job of, of figuring out how to get those moments in there. But I think that downtime would help us to or force us to play off of each other a little bit more and get... A little bit more early character development that 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 sometimes we're moving at that breakneck speed. Oh, absolutely. That we're like 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 yeah. you know we don't have time to pull that side conversation or to go visit that into you know develop our character arc a little bit more because that main storyline is is driving. Oh us yeah, forward. what's the plot? How do we defeat yeah. the bad guy? How do we get in? How do we get out? Yeah. Whereas look at the most dramatic moments we have, and we keep talking about like Yelena a lot, yeah. uh, or uh, relationship between Xanar. Yeah, so more character interactions and would be really being good. able to sell and buy things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I, like, um, I like the use of us as. NPCs from time to time. That's fun. Yeah. Um, doesn't it, it doesn't even have to be a super huge role, but like say you know, say Polik wanted to go sell something she stole, and like Christopher play the play the role of the of the shopkeeper mm. in this one, like just just to kind of yeah. mix it up a or little bit. Like Kendall got introduced in a script, I believe, mm -hmm. and then just every once in a while he would pop up. And yeah, we just, just fell in, in there. fell in love with the character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
What other concepts or goals would you hope to get out? Something you've wanted from role-playing game, different from here, or I don't know. I have a question kind of along those lines. We This is from a comment from the Bat Sammy. She says, season three is, as she's writing this, 88 episodes, so 90 episodes long out of the 100 and 137 total episodes from the Inglorious Parts. With that said, would you kind of find a happy medium in length of seasons? Do you care at all about that? Is that a factor? Um is it just campaign? I don't campaigns? know. For, um, so what we're, it seems like we're talking about is the length of the campaign and where does that sit, right? Yeah. Uh, for me, it seems too long and too short at the same time. So I, I don't <laughs> know. Um, it's taken a, obviously two and a half years. We've gone yeah. been here many, many, many nights, which is also fun. Because like it's a long form medium. Oh, yeah, you know, it's you're in it for the long haul as the player, right. let but alone looking at this map. Though there's still so many places I wanted to have gone or seen or done. There's so many things we emphasized. Yeah. Maybe one arc. It's like, oh, we barely even touched this one. We only spent two adventures, and so it, it's hard to say if I would want it to be longer, or shorter. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, how many podcasts for role playing are there out there that do like five or six episodes and then they're kind of done, or do a big season of 25 or even 30 episodes? Yeah. And yeah. we just did 90. Yeah. It's pretty rare. Yeah. In 90 quality, you know, well, uh, <laughs> quantity, 82, <laughs> 82 quality. <laughs> this, uh, this campaign had a really good use of. Not only the terrain that we had, but you actually did a little bit of planar shifting a couple of times. So we actually popped outside of Varen mm -hmm. more than a couple of times, mm -hmm. um, which I thought to be really interesting because of the fact that Varen is so huge. Like the Oubliette was elsewhere. It didn't take us to the Ironlands, right? It took us to a whole different plane. Um, that is, that's something that I've always been wary of with playing and i've been a little bit nervous about like i just got comfortable with this map and you've given me an entirely new map an entirely new set of people but i really liked it a lot and so i think in the next ones i would love to see more of that like fish out of water hmm. moments that those those real big culture shifts of like now you got to deal shifting our characters around was a real short version of, of what we did that but it had the same kind of emotional feel and impact that like oh i'm a cleric my magic doesn't work the way my magic always used to work. I got to figure out something else. Almost happened. It almost did. <laughs> I, I, I really like the, the fish out of water idea. So some more of that. Mm, all right. Well, I will say that I was, I'm always grateful for uh, this game, these sessions on uh, what is for us Tuesday nights, uh, getting together with friends and we have our dinner and we catch up and then we just know we're going to have a great time. We started, as we mentioned, down in the basement at a very cramped table with uh, uh, just doing it as a podcast. Uh, COVID hit. Uh, it was sad then having to break up and do it just via Zoom, uh, but then we were able to get back together and it just kept right on going, which was great. And just always having those moments for you guys. I think I've heard in the past of saying, um, going home, uh, Seth, I think you've mentioned and struggling to get to sleep sometimes mm -hmm. thinking yeah. about yeah. thoughts. Alistair has said multiple yeah. times, boy, I've been just really back and forth all week about what am I going to do on Tuesday? Uh, so you guys have that. I have that. I also have a great joy, as I think I've mentioned before, that very few people do, and that is I can go to bed at night and turn off the lights and roll over on my pillow and just start smiling as my mind starts to wander about what could happen next and what <laughs> might we might need to do. Um, and that's a great, fun little feeling with this. 
on a role-playing perspective, it's also great role-playing with you guys, and I know I've mentioned this many times before, and I'll say it again, of uh, I feel very spoiled because you read these posts of how do I deal with this troublesome player where I come up with this great idea and they're just trouncing all over and screwing around. Uh, you guys have your own agency, you're doing your own things, but you also know when to back off and when to take care of the story. So it's great that I can put things out there and you guys know how to make the most of it, when to push and pull and break things, but uh, when to let things sit and enjoy. Well, you guys also, one of my favorite things, two favorite simple role-playing things I like are um, you guys becoming invested in what's going on. So if you guys don't care that the mayor is evil, you need to kill him, you, then it's boring uh, for us here at the table and for listeners. But you guys always become invested in what's going on, which is really cool because then we all get caught up in it. And my other really simple favorite thing is uh, I love superhero call-out blurbs in the middle of combat type stuff. <laughs> like, watch out behind you. And you guys do that stuff constantly. Seth does it a lot. Yaru does serious ones uh and then piercy does it a ton as well and i really love that just adds fun little color to it well and to add to that tom a lot of that investment is because of how clearly you paint the world to us you know in your ability to make those those npcs and those events feel very visceral to us as the players you know a, a lot of our investment comes from your ability to you know from that seat um, so, you know, kudos to you on that as well. And it's fun hearing you guys during breaks talking about, the, oh, man, we really got to get this. And it's like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> Love it. Any final closing thoughts for season three of the Inglorious Barnes? I want to thank the audience. Yeah. Uh, the feedback we've got because uh, until really we started doing the live Twitch, we had no idea. Like, we got a few comments here and there, but seeing it live, especially when when we were all, on, like, at our homes on Twitch and we were all, all could see cats. at the same time. Yeah. I don't know how we did it, because I try to do it now, and I'm just, like, get lost. <laughs> um, or get distracted, rather. Um, but just, like, seeing these fans, like, frothing at the mouth is crazy. <laughs> it's yeah. awesome. It's nuts. It's, like, it's, like, such good motivation. Not that like I don't think any of us needed that motivation, but getting it was it's like great. it feels good. Yeah, seeing people like cry at what we're this silly thing we're doing is nuts, and I love it. Yeah, and yeah. that it conti it continues to be newcomers finding their way yeah. to us, and it's gonna continue to be that way years down the line of people just finding season one or season three jumping in somewhere, maybe jumping in at the video episodes, jumping in uh, when we're back in the studio. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, lend, it lends to, you know, you're tired and you, you're exhausted, and but you still want to show up and role play Perhaps, a little bit absolutely. extra. I still want, oh, man, I still got to put more time in the adventure because this is going to be a good one because you want to make sure that the, the people yeah. are, because yeah. they're enjoying it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and any listeners who haven't should definitely, like, get on uh, our Discord. Our Discord yeah. in the last, I mean, it's always been, like, steady, but, like, in the last few weeks, it's nuts. We yeah. probably had, like three four hundred messages back and forth and all of us like jump on there and yeah just go to ingloriousbards.com scroll to the bottom click on discord it'll take you right to and you can go to individual adventures and share your thoughts or just chat yeah. with other people and awesome. make sure you also go to patreon.com slash ingloriousbards for even more behind the scenes uh, info character sheets yeah. level ups after shows NSFW 
I think we, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, and we'll probably be doing between seasons here a couple of one shots coming up. So those will also be available for patron members. So, Onlyfans.com yeah. slash ski and lever. Ski and lever. I want to click on that. That's a way to end it. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's going to bring our season to a close. Thanks again for all you guys here. Thanks for all the fans. This is amazing. Thank and, you for listening, uh, everyone. Yeah, we'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye. See you next season. <laughs>